Did I say blue ball? You said blue ball. Oh, okay. Who have you been fantasizing about? Jughead. Did you just watch the, the did you just watch the episode that they had? Just now? The one that yeah. aired tonight? No. Oh, it's a good one and it's chock full of jughead. I'm okay. telling you. I, I almost needed a towel. It's so much jughead in there. Oh my goodness. Was he jugging his head? <laughs> and I got a cat okay. meowing outside the door. Oh, I got to turn off my fan. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was hearing it. You know what? Uh, you won't hear as much noise now, I bet, because this new computer, my old computer, you could hear the fan running in it, and this new computer, you cannot. Uh, it is as quiet as can be. Wow. Yeah, the new feature that they did uh, to make it so quiet, they removed the fan. And so now it catches fire a lot easier. Right. <laughs> it will halt and catch fire. In keep- ah, cool. In, in keeping with a that semi-popular television show of the same name. I, I wanted to watch that show, um, and I just never made a point of, of watching it. Um, you know, always yeah. thinking, oh, I'll, I'll catch up eventually. I'll <laughs> get it on DVD or something, but I never did. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that show, so maybe it would get me... Um, I, you know, and I haven't looked to see if it's on... I have a I have a like a list of ten shows on Amazon Prime I want to watch, mm. and I don't even know maybe that one's on Amazon Prime too or or Netflix or something. But it might be. I don't know if I'll ever get every. Uh, I'll never get everything I want to watch watched. <laughs> no, that's it's almost impossible. I, it's impossible at this point in time. There's too many fucking is. new shows coming out, and too many shows there that are. you miss from years before, and so it's uh, it's it's insane. It is, and it's it's impossible to keep up with that and movies, and and I'm like God. Even if I retired I, and, <laughs> and was home all day every day, I still couldn't yeah. catch up with all the things I want to see. Oh, so, that, that is so true. Do? Well, and you know, not to mention the millions of books that you always said, "Oh, I want to read that one," and I want to read that one, and but, oh yeah, and how many hundreds of of those were. You know, and movies were were created before your birth that you're like, oh, I want to see that sometime. It's just too many. It's too much. It's information overload. It's too much. It is. Yeah, that and and record and albums, most of which I've heard. But you know, you buy a record and you listen to it once. Where's <laughs> right. the value in that? I know. You know, I realized like in the morning when I take a shower. Yeah, I listened to Troy Troy Sivan's album, and I have been doing that for over a year. That album's been out around a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god, I just need to put a different CD in the CD player in the bathroom. But when I get up, in the, then I forget about it. I get up in the morning, and I just and I'm like, oh, I don't have time. I'll just push play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh. and and I love the songs on that record. It's probably I've listened mm. to that record more than any other in the last year or so. Okay. Hmm. Just because it's in the, just because I hear twenty minutes of it every, well, not twenty minutes, well, maybe fifteen, twenty minutes of it every morning in the shower. We are awash in media of all different kinds. It's, uh, it. I think it gets to the point where you, you, you your brain locks up and you're, you're unable to uh, be able to cope with the, the amount of of information and entertainment that's out there. I don't know. I feel that way sometimes. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I keep, you know, I am a list maker. When I was a teenager, uh, and maybe you remember, in the, in the late 70s, this book came out called The Book of Lists. 
Yes. And they had all kinds of lists in there. And they had like celebrities make uh, lists of their favorite movies. And, you know, Jimmy Page lists the 10 greatest guitarists of all time. It was a ton of lists of wow. sports and entertainment and history. And there was just a bunch of them. And um, right. That sounds great. And when I was on the high school, when I was on the high school newspaper, we did like a uh a survey at the end of the year that was supposed to be kind of like the the book of lists where we we had all the kids fill out a thing about their favorite movie and their favorite album and these things and then I mm-hmm. I had to sit with my mom and grandma one night and try and calculate all the all that with pencil and paper in the day. <laughs> wow. Um, but I I've, I've just always been a list maker. I you know, I have a whole list because it, I always feel like I'm going to forget something. So it's <laughs> like I have a whole list of movies that I want to buy and uh, see and you know, I have to keep a list of on Monday night the Fosters are on and then uh um what else is on? Oh, Bates Motel is on now. I have right. to keep a list of every show that's on every night so I don't forget something. Okay, Lodger, that's why you need a DVR. <laughs> I know, man, but it, then it, if, it holds the truth a permanent of the matter list is. for you. It holds the permanent list for you, and then you but don't the tr- have to uh, remember. But if the if I had a DVR, I would I would. It's just like the pile of DVDs I have in my room. I, I, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I have it on the well, DVR. I'll get to it eventually, and then yeah. you know, I won't. I won't get to it. Well, I got. I went on. I went on Amazon the other day and I bought um, Manchester by the Sea, which I've wanted to see for three or four months now, but I just haven't got around to having time to watch it yet. Academy and Award it's on the nominated top of a, uh, uh, yes, yep. movie, right? So, and it's hmm. sitting on the top of a, about twenty other DVDs waiting to be watched. Right. Yeah. Well, but I did watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I did watch the uh, the. You know how we talked about. Um, Kicking and Screaming by Noah Baumbach. Yes. I did watch the next two movies that he made hmm. uh, before he took a big break and made Squid and the Whale. And um, Okay. Um, anyway, that's on the list of things I want to talk about, but I don't know if we'll ever have time for that because <laughs> well, it's just as, a ton of as long As long as it's on the list, you won't forget it. So it'll That's get... why I have the list, so I won't forget it. Yeah. All right. It's it's good. It's valid. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with lists. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And and also, hey, I, here we are. We wanted to do a show and not take three hours tonight, and we're just rambling about shit. Well, I know, but when we should you we know, should get right to the show, man. When the editing starts, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. We I should, I should keep that in. Oh, that's interesting oh. too. I'll keep that in. And you know, by the, I mean, by the time I it's all said, to our done, last episode. Yeah, last episode. And, and I felt the same way. You know, it's two hours and ten minutes long. And, I, you know, I listened to the whole thing and was interested from the beginning. I mean, I was there when it was recorded, but I was I thought it was really interesting from the beginning to end. How self-conceited is that? But no. but it's just like I know what you're saying. There's uh, There wasn't anything in there that I'm like, oh, we should take this out. Right. I mean, there were some previous pre-shows that we could have easily chopped out, you know, good portions of it. But 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 this one, I I, I thought it was fun and interesting, and so why not keep it? Yeah. And people, yeah, absolutely. People people can always hit the uh, you know the plus fifteen button if they don't want to listen to the pre-show. Right. Right. You know, multiple times. Yeah. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you if you if one of you assholes out there doesn't want to hear this, then just skip ahead. <laughs> right. All you gotta do is skip skip uh. skip until you hear the music and you know the show's starting. <laughs> exactly. The other thing I realized too is that you know, like I have a list to start the show of um, 
you know, people who passed away since our last episode. Right. By the way, I loved how you did the little snippet of Twin Peaks under the Twin Peaks stuff. <laughs> okay, good. And then, and I was, think after, and there was a call. There, then there was a callback when we sort there of there was a callback. That's right. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think I, after we talk about the people who passed away, you should play mm-hmm. a snippet of. Um, Jim Carroll's band. Those are people who died, died. You know that song? <laughs> yes. All my friends, they were all they my died. friends, they died. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah, we can probably, yeah, I can probably get a, a good, uh, you know, think, yeah. 15 seconds just, in that. Just you know, a little sure. clip. Yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe to, open, um, maybe to open it up and to close it. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, right. it's perfect for <laughs> But what I noticed is that, you know, I have a list, like there's three people on the list this week and i'm like all of them are you know pop culture icons and mm-hmm. it, to me you look at it on paper and it's like oh that's a couple minutes of talking about who passed away but we end up talking 20 30 minutes about well, it that's because it goes <laughs> off on tangents man i mean well you know. absolutely and and you know because you can't talk about Right. Some of these people without spending 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about acknowledging their death. It's also, you know, celebrating their life and career as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a big one on here that that I want to take a little bit of time to talk about. So anyway, maybe we should okay. start the show. Yeah, maybe we if should. If we start the show, at least we'll be on our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on our way. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. All right, we should do that then. All right, you ready, man? Hey, before we do that, I, I got a quick question. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. This part's going to be cut out. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, okay. It's internal housekeeping kind of stuff. Have well, you looked at the amount of listeners lately? Has Have you seen anything? I've been looking Is it at... staying pretty steady or... Okay. Um, actually, it's increased... The crux of the matter is, is that, yeah, our listenership is going up. And I, I was going to mention that in the show, uh, one specific detail, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. But yeah, there... Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I really wanted to know. Yeah. Was, I, is, it, is it flat or is it going up or going down? So no, yeah. I increase mean, is all good. Episode 32, 20 gigabytes have been downloaded of that one podcast alone. And the podcast itself is only like 150 megabytes. So if you take 17 gigabytes and, you know, divide by, you know, 150 megabytes, you, you kind of get an idea of how many times it's been downloaded. Well, you might get an idea, but I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> okay. Well, I can... Because I, I don't know the difference, but... I, but... Well, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. One one gigabyte is a thousand megabytes. Oh wow! Okay. That, uh, yeah. So then, uh, so like, if a show is a hundred megabytes, and we down, and, and there's a a gigabyte downloaded, it would be downloaded a hundred times. Yes. Okay. So twenty gigabytes divided by a hundred and fifty means it was downloaded a hundred and thirty three times. Wow. Episode 32 was. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, that's a pretty good indicator. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the numbers are growing, and uh, we shall see. Well, that's exciting. That's, that yeah. is exciting. Okay. Well, I was going to save it for the show, but I did notice that out of the blue, this month, lots of downloads from Canada. And I'm trying to figure out Canada. Hmm. Why Canada? How is that happening? It's almost like the number... 
of downloads from Canada is like one quarter of the number of total downloads from the United States. So it's like this huge spike from Canada this month. So I, I don't know what necessarily triggered that. It's got to be more than just one person in Canada, because we know what one right. per- we know what one person listening in Mexico looks like. It it shows as a tiny spike in you know listenership because I'm sure Tim Christensen uh, is listening to the show, but you know the the number of downloads from Canada is ten times as as, as many as what's coming from Mexico. So hmm. you know, yeah, or, that's interesting. Or more. So the whole point is, is that listenership's going up. Well, cool. Well, that's what I wondered because we hadn't talked about it for a while, and right. I thought, you know, uh, you know, I thought my my hope was that if anything, we, you know, we weren't we weren't dying, but we were kind of staying flat. Right, but uh, but no, if it's increasing a little I, bit here and there, that's good. It is increasing, so that that works out to be like you know thirty five downloads from Canada. So it's a start. Yeah. Hey, we're, they're probably we're, like, listen to those stupid Americans. Hey, where's Troy Savon from? <laughs> He's from Australia. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So how come we haven't? Yeah, seen I'm a, trying to think. How come we see? I haven't a seen spike a spike in Australia. From, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, you never, um, you never know how it's gonna go. Yeah, and I can't think of anything in particular that we've talked about. You know, to generalize mm-hmm. massively, I can't think of anything in particular that. We've talked about that might be of particular interest to Canadians, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe there's some Austin files in Canada. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. More, more listeners or more listeners. That's fine by me. Oh, me too. Yeah. Hey, Canadians. Good to have you aboard, eh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. Great White North. Uh oh, we just lost five listeners. They get that a lot. Those poor Canadians. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, everybody's Bob and Doug McKinsey in them to death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis, aren't they both Canadian in real life? I believe they are. Yes. So, you know, that was homage. That wasn't uh, a uh, spoof. No, you're right. <laughs> it is homage. And uh, th- they should be proud that uh, those two gentlemen are from Canada. They should. Absolutely. I enjoy- Man, I used to love SCTV. Yeah. You know, back in the day when it was kind of like a syndicated weekly show, oh, I, wa- I watched that every episode I could could get. Right. You know, that's funny that, that you mentioned that. Uh, Mark Marin was interviewing one of the people from uh, SCTV. Uh, what's that guy's name? He was uh, Professor Kornbluth on, uh, the, in the movie Splash. <laughs> I haven't seen Splash. How obscure is that? Eugene Levy. I, well, Eugene Levy. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah the dad he, from American Pie. Oh, yeah, okay. That's a more recent uh, reference. But uh, uh, he, yeah. Yeah, he was interviewed by Mark Marin. It was a really good interview, so... I, I, I love Eugene Levy mm-hmm. and oh. Joe Flaherty, Rick Moranis, Dave Thomas, Andrea Martin. Yes. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember all. I there were some bits on there that I dearly loved. I can't and I can't remember any of them now, well, other than Great White North, which I loved. But right. But it's been so long. But uh, the interview with uh, Eugene Levy. Oh, looks like I have. I still have thirty-two minutes left of that interview to listen to. Um, <laughs> oh, 
I guess I better get on the stick because that was already like uh, <laughs> la- that was last week. Come on, what's going on? All right. Well, anyway, how long uh, are how long generally are Mark Marin's episodes? Uh, I don't know, hour and a half. Yeah, okay. r- right around an hour and a half. And uh, and yeah. a- an hour and a half would be great, but God, if we're gonna do an hour, how many does he does he do one a week or does he, he does do several a week? He does two a week. See, that would be perfect. Once we quit our jobs and are independently wealthy, I would like to do well, two a week of an hour and a half would be great. Right. I mean, you know, hey, this is Mark Maron's bread and butter now, so hell, who wouldn't do two a week? Of course, he was always doing two a week, even before he was making any money doing it. So right. he, 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 you know, he knew something was up. I think to hear him tell it, he he was, you know, he'd hit, he'd hit a dead spot in his career, and so he just started doing this for the hell of it, and it grew and grew. Right. Well, I think he started it kind of like we did, to entertain himself more than anything else. Right. And and things just happened, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he has he has a lot of comedian friends and stuff, so he knew that he could always get comedians to come on and talk to him, and... uh Right. It started there, and, and it grew. We don't have any friends, so. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We just need to uh, work out the logistics of, of having some on, <laughs> maybe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you had talked about yeah. uh, Chuck Norfolk? Yeah. Yeah. The writer-director of um, Getting Schooled and, um, oh, what's the other one called? Haunted Trailer. Haunted Trailer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Chuck would would gladly come on. We we just uh, we need to figure out the logistics of it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, anyway, we've been rambling for your almost, I know. almost thirty minutes now. So maybe we ought to start this we, thing. We sloped. We sloped some more. So yeah, we did. Okay. Let me pause this and get a drink of water. Okay. I'll be back in a minute. I took a little longer because the cat shit outside the litter box so i had (laughs) i had to scoop it up real quick oh thanks for sharing Mm, you're welcome Mm. you know how much i love animals Uh, and that animal shit is a particular interest of mine Mm, mm -hmm. yes (laughs) yeah the feline feces is of particular interest (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i know (sighs) i just shit my pants (laughs) Okay. Uh, Where'd that come from? Oh, no. yeah, I, I actually made myself a cup of coffee, and that reminded me of one of Mark Maron's early sponsors was some coffee company. And so he'd take a big, he would take a big slug of some coffee, and he'd go, you know, he'd take the drink, and he'd go, ah, I just shit my pants. I don't know. He was, he was trying to. Trying to make it a catchphrase for uh, this coffee company, but uh, apparently they kind of frowned on it. But, oh, uh, imagine that! <laughs> he continued to to do it though. I I thought I toyed with the idea of having fake sponsors for our show, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm just not creative enough to to come up with stuff. It, it, I could only what made me think about it was there's a radio station that radio station we listened to in the car the other day that's 105.3 The Bat. That plays like a uh-huh. weird classic rock 
kind of oh, stuff. Right. They have they have fake traffic. They don't even do fake traffic. They just say there there's a well, it is kind of a little joke anyway. And then then that's mm-hmm. always sponsored by something. And one of them that I thought was really funny was uh, sponsored by that that granola no. Sponsored by that energy bar that you have to look at the wrapper halfway through to remember what flavor it was supposed to be. <laughs> it's good. Oh, that's yeah. good. oh man, that's hilarious. I yeah. wish I could come up with stuff as funny as that. Right. Uh, yes, we we could always use an old uh, Loop TV sponsor. Foot High Melons <laughs> with a name like Foot High, it's toes sucking good. <laughs> I think that's handsome wieners. Oh, that one. They're just great. (laughs) (laughs) They taste great no matter where you stick them. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was thinking there was a um, there was a radio station in Houston called KPFT that that is like the Pacifica station. And of course, uh, Mm -hmm. back in the day, they would have weird music type shows and stuff. And one of them would say. Sponsored by John's Suppository Shop, parking in the rear. <laughs> ah, that's classic. That's classic. Yeah, yeah, classic good stuff. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's start this puppy. Okie dokie. Let's start this skinny puppy. <laughs> All right. So let's do it in three, two, one. Keeping podcasts weird from the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas, the city that brought you The Beat Dolls, Quiet Company, Valhalla, The Mohawk, Emily Bell, Gordos, and the world's largest urban population of Mexican free-tailed bats, it's a slippery slope. With the dazed and confused, Mark Browner and Lodger. Hey, man. Hello. Hey, we should uh, we should also say this week, because by the time we edit this and get it up, it will, well, by the time you edit this and get it up, yeah. we should be right in the middle of South by Southwest. So uh, ah. it's also the city that brought you uh, the horrifyingly awful and corporate run South by Southwest. <laughs> yes, wouldn't there? You wouldn't know there... I hate. Wasn't there something in the news recently that uh, made people uh, hate South by Southwest even more? Oh, even more, yeah. Oh, I hate them so much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, they were going to – they put something in some contract or something somewhere that basically said if you're a band and there are uh, undocumented uh, people from other countries in your band and you play a non-South by Southwest-sponsored show – um, they will uh, call the the uh, immigration officials on you. Oh man! Which is just about the shittiest fucking thing I can think of anyone doing. That's... I mean, South by Southwest is such a a corporate piece of shit. Now so, I wouldn't spend a day there. It almost sounds like Trump is running South by Southwest now. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's, uh, and then they re- they finally a couple days after that came out, they said they weren't going to do that. But I'm just uh, like the fact that you even were going to do it or said you were 
is just about one of the shittiest. But and they also have said that they are going to try, they are going to try and they always do this. They're trying to stop unauthorized shows during South by Southwest. Yeah, you can't stop. You can't stop music. Uh, I mean, you know. So what does that mean? If somebody is officially registered with South by Southwest, they cannot do an unsanctioned show. Is that what I basically think that's what part they're of saying? It. Okay. Yeah. I think that's part of it. You're signing a contract saying you will only do South by Southwest sponsored shows if you're going to be in a South by Southwest show. Well, it's yeah. kind of weird because if you're not scheduled to play a particular venue, why would they care? Oh, right. Yeah. It's you know? it's because they suck because <laughs> okay. It's not a fun music festival anymore. It's a big corporation that sucks dicks yeah. and and there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing independent or is interesting or uh, real about them anymore. It's a corporate entity. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, on some level, I kind of cringe running down, uh, you know, something that, you know, started here in this town, but it, it's kind of gotten to that point. And maybe we need, you know, some of our listeners give us some feedback on uh, their opinions about South by Southwest. And if there are any musicians in our listenership, give us uh, give us a holler. Go to our uh, Facebook page, A Slippery Slope, and uh, make your opinion heard. Or email us at, uh, uh, what is it, slope at ltvpod.com. Anything. We we appreciate feedback, so right Yeah, I have my opinions, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But uh it, it would be curious to hear other 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 folks out there what they have to say about it as well. So that Yeah, means, you uh, know, I hmm. don't I uh-huh. you know, of course when I first moved to Austin I would always go to the music uh the, the film things at right? South by. Right. Um and and then I would try to do a couple of the music things. And, you know, when you when I first moved here, it was starting to get bigger, but it still was felt like an Austin thing and yeah. felt uh, real and and uh, inclusive and, you know, part of the city. I don't know what happened. I don't know if whatever entity owned it sold it to some other entity or if it's just grown so much that they've just yeah. become complete assholes or what. Well, I mean, but, um, yeah, they wield a lot of power now. I mean, this is probably do. one of the one of the biggest uh, music corporate events out there. I mean, um, you know, it's uh, it's mentioned internationally, you know, at this point. I mean, there are, you know. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and and you know I always get mad because I you know it's just a nightmare. You you can't if you live in Austin, all you want to do during the week of South by Southwest is just get out of town because traffic's a nightmare. There's people everywhere. You can't get a seat in a cool restaurant. It's yeah. just full of people that you would that me personally are people the kind of people that I wouldn't want to associate with. And yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it's and so well, it mm-hmm. it you know. So, uh, you know, and then these bands that bands that I would like to see come and play like last year, Troy Sivan came and played at um, at yeah. the, I think at the Copper Tank during mm-hmm. South by. But there's no way I'm going down there to try and see him during right. South by because it'd be overrun. And, and yeah. yeah. And so these bands come to Austin thinking they've played 
They come to South by Southwest thinking they've played Austin. Mm-hmm. You haven't played to Austin. Most of the people at South by Southwest are not from Austin. Well, true. Come back and do a show in uh, May or June or July or August or September. Yeah. Um, so people who live here can come see your band play because people from Austin are not coming to your show. It's people from other places. Right. And of course, not. I mean, there's a few people from Austin, but, you know, probably at any South by show, I would guess that less than 10 percent of the people are from Austin. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's probably true. I guess, you know, bands at this point, they're they're coming to South by to, you know, hopefully sign that big contract. I guess that's 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 the dream. Obviously, but uh, well, I mean, and that was going on, you know, when I came, moved to Austin and, and mm-hmm. went to South by and the Austin Film Festival in yeah. uh, the early 2000s, the, the, you know, there were there was there were films that made deals at South by and at the Austin Film Festival. Yes. And, and got distribution. And there were bands that got signed. Mm-hmm. And that and that was great. I mean, and that was a thing that 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 was part of what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, but it's just gotten out of hand and it's not fun anymore. Anymore, and it's not mm. Austin anymore. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, um, me and and my friend Molly went downtown to the Para, Paramount because uh, J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt had a movie that was premiering at South by, and he was going to be there. Yeah. And they had red carpet and a place where they stood and got their picture taken. It was like Sundance. Uh, and I was just like, uh. ugh. <laughs> this is not the fun, okay. fun thing anymore. This yeah. is, you know, when there's red carpet and photo ops and, you know, all that stuff. It's it's not a fun festival anymore, in my opinion. Okay. It's just a, it's gone. You know, it's uh, gone Hollywood. It has. Yeah. And I mean, I remember when I went to to Sundance in 2000, and we didn't. We really didn't go to Sundance. We went to Slam Dance. Me and and the guys who did File Thirteen with me. Right. Um, the alternate, which is a movie review website that I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sundance wasn't fun at all. Uh, and there was a lot of. I mean, we saw some celebrities, and there was a lot of trying to get into parties that we that we couldn't get into, and some we got into. Um, right. But it, and that was fun. But it wasn't. But going to Sundance wasn't fun. Slam dance was hella fun. Mm. It was, it was, you know, it was like the punk rock version of Sundance. Right. And I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. There was taking, I guess, taking everything that at one time was good about Sundance and 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 crystallizing it instead of going over the top like Sundance became. Is that what you're saying? Or maybe Sundance well, was never, was, yeah, was never uh, like that. Well, I think it was at the very beginning, but it just got corporate and it got, mm, you know, okay. even Redford said it isn't what he uh, what he really wanted it to be. Oh, and and Sundance is kind of um, Sundance has kind of gotten. I mean, Sundance does some great things still, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it's it's mainly about going and seeing movies that are already made and and financed and put together, uh, and and uh-huh. looking for distribution. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not about people getting a chance to see a really cool movie and building word of mouth buzz, right? Okay, like it used to be. So right. anyway, it. so anyway, Austin. Is, um, Austin, I, you know, speaking of Austin again, we, I guess it's the the double edged sword of living in a cool town, a town that everybody wants to come to. It uh, it changes. It becomes something completely different than what it was uh, before, and you know people have been saying well, people have been saying that you know since the seventies about Austin, and you know it's just probably accelerated more at this point. 
Well, it's all perception, too. I mean, I I moved in here in 99 and people were already saying, you know, oh, there's too many people moving here. It's horrible, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it made me feel I I felt like, Jesus, I got here as fast as I can. I'm, you know, (laughs) I love the city. Right. I I love I loved all the things that it offered, including South by and the Austin Mm -hmm. Film Festival and a ton of other little festivals and Sixth Street and all the all these things that I truly loved and enjoyed. Yeah. the first six, seven years that I lived here. And then, um, I, and I, you know, we had a mayor who was a, um, uh, housing, uh, develop, not a housing development, like a real estate developer. Austin went from this little city that had, you know, people like Leslie Cochran, mm-hmm. uh, running for mayor, a really cool weirdo transvestite guy, All right. um, running for mayor to a place where a real estate developer became the mayor. And yeah. that's who, why we have all the condos we have. Who was that? Will Wynn. Oh, okay. a horrible. Uh, all right. uh, I mean, his name alone as a politician, <laughs> you know, Will W I L L Win W Y N N Will Win. Uh, just the, um, just the shittiness of that name <laughs> will win. Yes. Just makes you want to hate him, you know? My name is Victor. It means he will win. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> he just, uh, I mean, yeah, he's the beginning of the end of Austin, in my opinion. But, mm-hmm. um, okay. You know, but I mean, there, you know, it is what it is. Right. I, I as we've said on this show many times, if I love something, I bitch about it all fucking day long. <laughs> right. That's how you know I love something because, you know, if, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't care and I wouldn't say anything. But it's just like I bitch about stuff on The Walking Dead. I love, you know, well, I love that show. Right. Yeah. You- I wish it could be better. I wish they would do some things differently. But it's because I love the show and I love the characters and I, you know, I, I have my own vision of what it should be. Sure. I mean, if you didn't love it, you wouldn't even be talking about it. You know, it's the whole thing of right, you know exactly. the op- yeah. the opposite of love is, is not hate; it's apathy. <laughs> you know, so so we we definitely right, it really we, is. Yeah, we definitely talk about it because we love it. Absolutely, and yeah, I I bitch about you know this year uh, we're at the we're at like the, we're recording this show a couple days before South by starts, and it was dark, cloudy skies, and it rained like hell today, uh-huh. uh, to, especially towards the end of the day, and it, it just ma- it just fills me with glee when it rains during <laughs> South by Southwest. Oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> I just love it, man. I'm just like go stand yeah. in your muddy field and watch you know yes fucking um right radiohead ripoff bands and have a great time <laughs> oh wow welcome to austin don't fucking move here <laughs> <laughs> well yeah property values are already too much so yeah we already crazy and they just keep building condos yeah well with 110 people moving into the city a day yeah it's going to continue it's crazy mm-hmm. and you know it's it funny sure because is. my my the business i am in mm-hmm. uh certainly uh the more people that live here i mean if you own a business in austin the more people that live here the more customers you have it's a you know that's, that's true. a win right there yeah and um and that's certainly true for you know what I do for a living, and yes. and so I shouldn't I shouldn't complain about it. But you know I I like to get it. I like to just to to me it's kind of fun too. Bitching about stuff is fun. <laughs> that's true. I enjoy it a lot. Yes, you do. Well, you got to shit on everything, um, Lodger. 
<laughs> I know, man. I'm such an asshole. Just an asshole living in Austin. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Um, You're in good company. Uh, oh, yeah. I, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. We used to be the live music capital of the world, and now we're the asshole capital of the world. <laughs> and I'm the mayor. <laughs> yes. Um, it's better, well, and, it's, and so, like, it's better than being the mayor of Simpleton. Never it is. That's, <laughs> that's, that's an XTC reference. I, I believe it is, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Or Camper Van Beethoven, or one of those bands. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Well, but you know, the the other thing. I mean, there are great things about Austin, like we've talked about on the show, and the and of course. The, and the flip side of that is, this week I went to the new end of an ear location. Yeah, I saw you posted some pictures on Facebook of it, and yeah. so yeah, I'm excited. Uh, now yeah, we- it's a, it's a. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we can plan on going to it together. Yeah, it's. I mean, they they have. You know, they're a really cool, independent record store. Mm-hmm. A lot of vinyl, um, but also CDs, and just they are not like a clear a warehouse or a clearinghouse or whatever for pop music. They are much more specialized. Definitely much more. Oh, uh, not off the beaten path, but you know what I'm saying. They they specialize yeah. in kind of eclectic, hard to find eclectic stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, but I bought like while I was there, I bought a, uh, a CD by Cloud Nothings. I bought a Bowie tribute hmm. CD that I hadn't seen before. Nice. Um, and um, who was the other? Oh, and uh, uh, there's a band I've found recently that I like called Car Seat Headrest, um, hmm. and I bought one of their CDs. So, uh, and while I was there, I saw um, Lock 'Em Up. Matt Lock 'Em Up was there. He works there still. Nice. In their new location. Cool. And uh, got a chance to talk to him for just a couple of minutes. There yeah. was a lot of people there. Um, and parking is, you know, it's right there by where Casino Southside is. Uh-huh. Um, it's right. It's really like. Just a few. You could walk from there to Casino Southside. Oh, and, um, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's almost catty corner. Well, hell, and, um, that's what we're and, gonna do. We're gonna get go go to uh, Casino Southside, and we're gonna get loaded, and then we're gonna walk over to uh, End of an Ear. Okay. We may have to do it in the in the opposite way because by the time we get get out of Casino Southside, End of an Ear will probably be closed. But uh, but we can okay. we can go sober shopping and then walk over to <laughs> okay. casinos and have a couple beers. Absolutely. All right, sounds um, good. But it's a, yeah, the store is is really large. Parking is there were a lot of people there the day I was there just a couple days ago. Parking is a little. They have a parking lot, but it probably mm-hmm. only holds about ten cars. Oh okay, yeah. And so I had to park on the street, but parking on the street wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And it was easy to do. There were a lot of people and, there. Um, yeah, there were. I, th- I mean, there was, there were five people working there. Oh, um, okay. Hmm. But I mean, and then there were a lot of, a lot of people shopping. I think there were a couple people that came in to talk about um, doing a show during South by while I was there. Okay. Um, I, 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 uh, so there's just a lot of stuff going on. Hmm. It's always a cool vibe in that. I, I always feel like, you know, I'm not a huge, you know, I like some obscure eclectic music, but I'm pretty much a pop music guy to a certain degree. I mean, I like, I like 
punk and new wave and different things, but I'm not, right. you know, I, I'm not listening to, I bought this one CD that, that, uh, is like a German band that was kind of a eighties experimental, uh, synth band. And, and it, the CD's horrible. I just oh, really? bought it on a whim and, what's and now the, I regret it. Yeah. What's the name of the band? Uh, uh I think it's. Oh, it's like Cass and Company or something. K A S and something. I mean, some random. Well, that you know, sounds and it's cool horrible. That it's it's cool <laughs> that there's a there is a um, record label called. Um, oh, damn it! I wasn't prepared to talk about this, and so now I can't remember oh, anything okay. about it. That's all right. But they've this label is a jazz label and a reggae label. They release re-release old obscure stuff, and they've Ooh. done about four or five different um, uh, compilation uh, early uh, late seventies, early eighties punk um, compilations. Oh wow! And called punk. Punk 45, hmm. and so I have three or four of those, um, and there's like six or seven of those. There's a couple more I want to get, uh-huh. um, and this is this is released under that label, uh, that imprint of Punk 45, but it's just one. It's just a re-release of a band's. I think it's a bunch of their early singles, not necessarily an album. Um, okay. And anyway, it it you know, but that's what happens when you you know, you, sometimes you take a chance on something and it isn't what you what you hoped it was, and other times you take a chance on something and walk away so pleasantly surprised. So well, that's true. You know, I mean, it's it's all I, I all just, part of the discovery process. You know, absolutely. And I haven't listened to the whole record yet. But, you know, sometimes you get to track seven and it's this amazing track. You never know. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that happens a lot. Where yeah you. You buy something and uh, write every, you know, the first few tracks are crap, and then you find this this little gem, and you're like, oh, too bad. The rest of the album couldn't couldn't have been like this. But right, yeah, yeah, hey. yeah. You never you never know. Sometimes I mean, there are lots of albums I have that I just like one or two songs on, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I, you know, when I was younger. I would go record shopping and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. And sometimes I would buy a record by a band I never heard of because it was on sale and it looked interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's how I found the Fabulous Poodles. That's how I found uh, the specials. Um, I'm trying to think of there's a couple others where I I bought the oh the Urban Verbs. I, I found those records based on just the fact of the, the cover looked interesting. And I'm like, okay. well, the cover looks interesting. I'll give it, a, you know, I'll give it a shot. So you never know. Well, it's true. That's that's why we still need record stores. We need to have them because, I mean, that, that that's a great discovery process. I mean, you can just stumble across something. And, uh, you know, it piques your curiosity and, and you, you give it a try. And then, you're yeah, you can be very pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's... Right, yeah. I, mean, I guess you can do things like that by, you know, you know searching through YouTube or, or, or SoundCloud or something like that. But it, it's something about actually physically being present in a store that it, it's a completely different experience. And it's, it's, it's absolutely it's a communal experience because there's other people doing the exact same thing and you're right there bumping into them. Right. I mean, I love you know, there has been so many times where I've been in a record store and they'll be playing a record and I'm like, who hmm. the fuck is this? This is great. And um, in fact, when the last time I went to End of an Ear at in their old location, they had a, a record on by um, 
uh, Edgar Frosey, who was in Tangerine Dream, mm. and it was one of his solo records, and it mm. was fantastic. I loved it. And oh. when I was in End of an Era, this new location, a couple days ago, as I'm checking out, mm-hmm. some girl walks up and says to the guy checking me out, what album is this? <laughs> and oh. Of course, they had a, they had it up on a little thing up behind him, but it was a Leonard Cohen album. Um, oh. But I, when she said that, I was like, yeah, this is kind of good. You know, not not to her, <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, yeah, what is this? This is kind of good. And, yeah. and I looked up and saw the Leonard Cohen record right away. And of course, by that point, he's pointing to it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hmm. you know, that's a that's another thing that's really cool. Uh, almost every time I've been in an uh, indie store like that, yeah. Um, at at a certain point, there'll be a song come on their their system, and you're like, "Wow, what's that?" <laughs> right, <it's laughs> or they'll like, play a song you know, and it's like, "Oh my God, they're playing whatever," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like somebody who's working there says, "You know what? The people need to hear this. They need to get interested right? in this." And it's you know, it's <laughs> them. It's them. You know pushing their opinion onto you, and sometimes it can be right, a, mag- yeah. a magical experience. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's really cool. So I, I, I'm really impressed with the new store. It, it's it's probably just a tad bit bigger than the old store. Um, okay. Yeah. It's it's not it's not much bigger, but mm-hmm. it's but it's certainly big enough. You know, they have vinyl, they sell uh, used DVDs and actually some used VHS. They have a few cassette tapes there. They have uh, there were even some eight tracks that I think they were just giving away. Oh wow! Um, mm. So I mean, you know, and then I bought. Um, some little uh, buttons. There was like a Bowie button, a hmm. Patty Smith button, and a Campbell soup can button uh, that I bought. Hmm. So they ha- and the car- they have books and they have you know just everything you'd expect from an independent record store. Wow. Well, that's cool. So, hmm. so is this uh, is so, yeah. this, is this a new structure or was it an existing structure that they uh, modified? to be their store it was an existing it was existing uh, what was in it the last time i s- looked over it's on you know it's on 71 mm-hmm. there uh in south austin yeah. what was in that store the last time i looked over there and noticed anything was uh was like a cigarette store you know like a tobacco you know those you know cheap 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 cigarettes oh okay those hmm. places where people go sometimes because they'll will have cigarettes cheaper than other places if you want to buy it by the carton ah and i think they sold e-cigs and that kind of stuff too oh, yeah um, I'm, I'm sure like, yeah okay cool. um cool but yeah so yeah it's cool hmm. um so so that was that was the cool place i went this week nice um oh shall we talk about uh uh the people who've died died Yes, yes. Usually we kind of start the show off that way, but I guess we got into other stuff, and so that's fine. We did. Okay. Started with South by, and so um, so it's you know it's been almost two weeks since we recorded a show. It's been like I think thirteen days since we recorded our last show. Yeah. And and you, you so, had some. You had a a, a major computer death. <laughs> so hey, that's that's yes. perfectly good. Yeah, that's the the first death you want to mention with the. Uh, it <laughs> was my computer, the, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I was going to go into a long story about how we went to Fry's and I bought a new computer, mm-hmm. and it took us four four or five tries to find a, a computer that they had out on display that right. was actually in stock and new in the box. Yeah. But 
it got that's a long boring story so <laughs> yeah it did get kind of ridiculous though it was like hey i want this one it, it, okay well, i'll get it and oh sorry we're out of stock okay how about this one the only one we okay, have is this one that's the floor model yeah right it was like the cheese shop by monty python is what we were saying <laughs> that's yeah. right yes yeah it just <laughs> kept we just kept naming picking computers i was ready to buy and the only one they had was the one that was the floor model and i'm like i don't want that's the right. floor model <laughs> And then they were going to give us 5% off on the floor model. Fuck 5%. Fuck you. Yeah, that's um, nothing. But anyway. <laughs> oh, but then then they they did up it to 10%, but you know, but if by you, that time, if you bought the if you bought the warranty, oh, which man. was more than 10 the 10% off they were going to give you. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like Yeah. I don't want to take my computer into a shop for them to repair it and see all the porn that's on there. Thanks <laughs> right. anyway, though. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, what was it? What was it you said when we went in there? Or you went, oh, the cat's eating it. <laughs> uh, I love the cheese shop by Monty Python. We were talking yeah. about how uh, I had a matching tie and handkerchief on eight track, mm -hmm. and you had—I think you said your brother had it as well. Yeah, he had on, it on vinyl. Uh, yeah, and on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. love that record. I did too, and all the only two bits I can remember on there are the cheese shop and the Oscar Wilde bit. Mm -hmm. I know there was, you know, there's ten or twelve bits on there, and I can't remember any of the other ones that were on yeah. there. But I remember I love the cheese shop. Yeah, what a senseless waste of human life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. All right. The co the computer was my our first loss. Yes, our first then, death was the computer. Okay. All right. And then, um, go ahead. Towards not too, not not too shortly after we recorded our last episode, mm -hmm. uh, Bill Paxton passed away. Oh yeah, that was shocking. He was the yeah, totally unexpected and 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 uh, uh, surprising. Um, you know, I always think of him as Twister Man. For me, although I love him as Chet in Weird Science, but oh, yeah, to me, he's definitely. when I, when when you say Bill Paxton, my first thought will always be Twister. Twister came out in like I don't know what two ninety nine ninety eight. Oh, came I, out when I was yeah. working for a movie theater, and I think I saw it at least three times at the theater, hmm. and loved it every time. Thought it was really great. Yeah, it was great. But, uh, apparently, um, all the CGI effects from uh, a 17-year-old movie are being used on Walking Dead now. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be funny. I haven't seen Twister since it came out. Yeah. It would be interesting to see it again and see the effects because I remember thinking – uh, one of the things that was really great about that movie was it, it seemed pretty damn realistic. I thought the special effects were pretty good, but I bet if I watched well, it now, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, they were no, they were they were really good for you know nineteen ninety two thousand. I mean, because nobody right? had seen yeah. anything like that before until then. So yeah, but you know maybe with uh, you know the passage of time, maybe the the CGI effects look a little dated. But who knows? We'll have to watch it again, maybe. Yeah, right. I'd like to watch it again. I, I yeah. really enjoyed it uh, when I watched it when it came out, and I, w I wouldn't mind seeing it again at all. It's funny about effects like that. You know, I was watching um, I was watching a movie on um, on uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies. Um, I think that's what it was on. And, and now I won't be able to remember what movie it was. But it was a movie. F oh, it was Alfred Hitchcock's um, Family Plot, which is like from 1972 or four. Somewhere uh, yeah. around there. Right. 
And there was a there was a thing where they were driving in a car, and um, you could totally tell it was green screened, you know, with the with the what was happening outside the car being put in later. Uh-huh. I mean, super obvious. And I'm like, wow, that that's really bad. But uh, you know, At I the remember time, asking my mom good. when, yeah. <laughs> right? I remember asking my mom when I was a kid, like seeing something like King Kong, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, when you were a kid and saw this, did you and it, did you like did did you really think that that was an ape? And she's like, well, you know, you kind of had to let your imagination take over a little bit, right? But, you know, you know, it, you know, I can. It's the suspension of disbelief, you know, is part of it. Yeah, and and certainly when you get into a movie and enjoy it, it's way easier to to allow that to happen. You know, I can still watch the original King Kong and get caught up in it. And, and you, you just, you just kind of go along with it. And, 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 you know, sometimes part of the fun is, is what it looks like compared to what we see in movies now. I mean, you know, now it's just like, well, amazing. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's complete realism or about as close the, as you the, can get to it. Yeah. The special yeah, effects nowadays. The, for um, sure. the, the vermis oh what's the word Veris- verisimilitude <laughs> close uh now now that you, <laughs> now that you said it close but not right i i can't say it uh verisimilitude yeah okay that's not how yeah. you say it well it's close it's close to that yeah something like I, that i used that <laughs> word a lot when i was writing for file 13 because you know in a lot of movies the appearance of reality is is spot on i mean you know, I think, again, I remember watching Titanic when it came out and going, Jesus Christ, it's like you're on the fucking boat. Yeah. The, the effects are so realistic. It, you know, and who knows if you watched it now? I mean, one thing for sure is I will never watch Titanic. Um, well, I used to say I'd never watch it on DVD. Now that we have huge TV screens in our home, yeah, uh, I may watch it. But when you see it on the big screen, it looks freaking real. Yeah, um, yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, to get the full experience, yeah, of that movie and and there are other movies that are similar to that, but yeah, you you don't get the full effect unless you see it on a big screen and you're you know in the middle of the house or up close like you look you like to sit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember you know when I worked for the movie theater, um, I you know up where the offices are was where all the projectors were, mm-hmm. um, and. I remember walking by the projector that was, sh- and of course, there's always a window there w- mm-hmm. where the projector is, is shooting through that. And when you're up in right. the projection booth, you can go up to that window and look right through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember walking by one of the projectors to get to the stairs or whatever, yeah. and walking by the projector showing uh, Titanic and just randomly kind of walking by and glancing over during the part where the ship is sinking and all the people are, are falling off. And it's right. kind of, it was kind of a long shot. Yes. And I was like, man, it just looked, it looked so real. And it, the people mm-hmm. looked kind of like ants. And I was like, man, that looks real. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and that was before I had seen it. That was, you know, and then I finally got a chance to watch it. And I was like, this movie's amazing. Hmm. It is. As far as CGI you effects know. goes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love Leo. So, you know, especially uh, yeah. seven, 17 years ago, Leo. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> now, I still think he could have gotten up on that door. God damn it. Oh, it's funny because there was just a thing online a couple of weeks ago about how someone there was someone who was trying to prove that if he 
if he would have tried to get up on the door, he would have he would have died quicker. Oh, but I I can't okay. remember what the hmm. what their reasoning on that was. Okay, um, now now I'm gonna have to go find that article. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. But we I, were... you know. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. It's just like, you know, I saw it, you know, to me, of course, because I, I like young looking guys. Leonardo DiCaprio is so dreamy in Titanic. And so I, I was able to get into the whole, you know, him and, and um, the female actress who's in it, um, that that whole thing. You know, I, I was to- I totally bought into everything going on in that movie. Yeah. And then my mom went, went and saw and I finally talked my mom into going and seeing it. And um and she hated it, and I was like, and she, you know, your mom I'd hated say, it. But it. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, but mom, Leonardo DiCaprio and the, uh, the <laughs> romance and all this stuff, and she's like, oh, he's a little boy, and you oh, know, I was like, oh yeah, wow. my my mom's idea of a of a, a hot guy is you know seventies Burt Reynolds, well, and so Tom okay. Selleck, okay, right, and so right. you know, she totally couldn't buy into the romantic part of it because she just doesn't believe huh. that any w- woman would find Leonardo DiCaprio sexy right but it was you know it was a young love story you know come on who can't get i i agree i i got into it but it was funny i was like oh he's a little boy yeah well you know (laughs) and and the actress you were trying to remember is kate winslet and uh kate winslet yeah yeah, she's great she was super hot in that too so you know hey she is yeah she's been in some great she's married to um sam mendez i believe who directed american beauty and he's directed her in a couple movies she's been in some really great movies she's in another movie with leonardo dicaprio Mm -hmm. where it's set in like the 60s and they live in the suburbs and it's kind of like they're bored and I can't remember what that movie is called, but it's a hmm. great movie too. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I we should get l- on with the other people. Yeah. We started at Bill Paxton. Oh, I don't right. know how he got. <laughs> okay, but Lodger, getting getting back to Bill, getting back to Bill Paxton. See, I always think of him in the movie Aliens. Of course, I don't think you've seen Aliens, but you know the, the second one. I haven't. He has so many not great all lines. Way, not all of it. He has so many great lines, you know, the the most famous probably of all is Game over, man, game over. <laughs> but, uh, well you saw that on a lot of memes when he died too. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, there were yeah. a lot there were a lot of memes, but and yeah. and it was funny because somebody you know, I saw about ten of those, and somebody posted one, uh, and um somebody else commented on there, oh man, that's perfect. And mm-hmm. and I was like, dude. Is this the only friend you have on Facebook? Because I've seen this meme ten times already. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The one about uh, um, e- eating a eating a greasy pork chop off of a dirty ashtray. I, <laughs> I saw that one too. Right. Which is like one of the best lines ever. Yeah. Um, exactly. One, one day we'll talk about weird science because I love that movie too. Okay. Um, uh, the the other person we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one, or do we? Uh, uh, Judge Wapner. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Uh huh. So, uh, yeah. Judge I mean, the people's court kind of ruined TV. <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, it started a trend that still is with us today. These, you know, small claims court shows that, you know, uh, permeate daytime television. I don't know how many I, there I are now. How, yeah. Oh, there's a ton. And I don't know how many, how people can watch those shows. There are certain shows. I mean, they're so phony to begin with. 
Oh, but you know what? There recently there's been a twist on that. It's a it's a comedian who uh, is doing the judging, and he he makes sure that he gets stoned prior to uh, making his rulings. Yeah, Doug Benson, the High Court. There you go. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> which I'm, I haven't seen any episodes of that, but I haven't either. But it maybe that's the logical conclusion of that genre. Maybe. Not. <laughs> Maybe it will kill that genre. Let's hope. There's one I saw an ad for the other day, and it's some black woman, uh-huh. and sh- and she's the judge, and she looks about thirty. She doesn't look, you know, old and judgely at all. Yeah. And it's called, I think it's called Judge Faith, and I'm uh-huh. just like, who the who the fuck is this person? <laughs> You know, right? I, I, it's like anyone can have a judge show now. You don't even have to be a real judge to have a judge show, I guess. That's I don't know. True. They're, and That's they're true. just so fucking horrible. They're horrible. <laughs> they, yeah. They traffic in in petty squabbles and and mm-hmm. oh, it's just you know, and it's the, all for a show, and it's right. just disgusting. I hate it. It's I, like I, the, I did the lowest common denominator of humanity. <laughs> Let's dread. Yes. Their, what, you know, I mean, I, I will give it. It's a it's a it's a minute step above something like Jerry Springer, but it's just barely right. You know, by yeah. a thread better than a show like Jerry Springer or. Uh, I'd agree uh, oh, God, that. do you remember more? You remember Morton Downey Jr.? Oh, uh, what a tool. Wow. Oh, yeah. God. I mean, he's the guy who really ruined television, but. Right. But, uh, the People's Court. I mean, I watched The People's Court, and you know, it was kind of interesting for what it was for a while. But I don't understand all these shows we have now, and and that people l- just love those shows. Mm-hmm. I would rather. I would literally rather pull out my eye teeth with a pair of pliers than watch one of those fucking shows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Tell, I'll tell you how I really feel. <laughs> all right. Now, now, how did we get down this? Oh, yeah, we were talking about Wapner. Judge Wapner passed away. Judge Wapner, Wap, Wapner, Wapner, definitely. <sighs> yeah, okay. Wapner, Wapner at four, four o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then the, the the one that I could spend the rest of the show talking about is Robert Osborne of of um, Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, which we all knew that was coming. Definitely. You, know, I, you and I talked about that like ten episodes ago. We were like, "Where's Robert Osborne? Mm-hmm. He hadn't been." I haven't been on TV for quite a while, uh, introducing movies and um, and there was a thing where they was saying said a, um, several months ago that I think he was going to have surgery or something, uh, and okay. then he he came back for a little bit and then you didn't see him for a while and they never ever said anything about it on TV that I saw. Yeah. You know, um, the other guy who who introduces movies there is um, what's his name? He's somebody's son. Or uh, nephew, right, right. Uh, ben Mankiewicz. Yes, Ben Mankiewicz. Yeah, he hadn't said anything about Robert Osborne. They never said anything like, "Oh, you know, uh, here I am sitting in for Robert Osborne," you know, or or anything like that. They hadn't said his name on air. It seemed like, uh, yeah. in you know, other than in some commercials and stuff they do. Um, so I, I had a sneaking suspicion that he was not well. Right. And, um, well, the last, and, the last few times that I'd seen him, uh, you know, on uh, TCM, he, yeah, he, he wasn't looking well and he, he just seemed to be getting feebler and feebler. Yeah. I, you know, he always looked so dapper, but, uh, yeah. yeah, you could tell towards the end that right. that um, you know 
It was something kidding. was going on, mm-hmm. but he never seemed, you know, totally out of it or. No, no. Or, I mean, I, I think his mind yeah. was always there. I think, it, yeah, it was just his body was kind of dragging him down a little bit. Uh, so, you know, so. Yeah, uh, I. It's, uh, it's, it's a sad day in, in, in uh, movie history. It is, you know, um, American movie. Uh, I'm sorry, Turner Classic Movies is something that I have gotten into over the last four or five years, maybe even a little longer than that. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that, you know, I started watching movies on there. Uh, you know, I didn't have cable for a while at times, and I, I guess you know, right. suddenly I got a cable package that where it was included, mm-hmm. and it was like for one thing, it was the only it's the only movie channel that you don't pay a subscription fee for that doesn't have any commercials. And uh, other than their own in-house commercials, yeah, that's true. Um, they don't, yeah. and so uh, they don't. Yeah, they do, don't. And they, they don't play. do any commercials uh, between movies, other Mm-mm. than other, other than, than their, their own promotionals. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is you know great, and um, and then that you know, and there are some movies that I'd never seen before that I've seen on uh, Turner Classic Movies. Oh, there absolutely. There are some movies that yeah. I that they play over and over again that I've never seen before. And now, you know, it's like one of, one of the movies I love is called Christmas in Connecticut. It's got Barbara Stanwyck in it. It's from the forties. She's a magazine writer who, who writes like a woman's column on, on cooking and running a nice home. And she's unmarried and knows absolutely nothing about that in real life. It's all (laughs) fiction. Okay. And, and at Christmas time, the guy who runs the magazine wants to bring like a, a, a serviceman who's been injured in World War II to her country home for Christmas. And, uh, you know, so there's a whole ruse and all kinds of stuff going oh, on. Right. And it's it's one hmm. of those great movies that I'd never heard of, never seen before. And now it's like if I don't see a Christmas in Connecticut around Christmas time, I, I'm like, where's my movie? <laughs> really? And, you know, it's and, just become it's all part because of the of, tapestry of wow. Christmas. It's all because of Turner Classic Movies turning you on to that film. Absolutely. Some of the movies that I've seen on there, and, you know, sometimes you turn it on and the description of the movie doesn't seem like it's going to be anything, and then you start watching it, and before you know it, you're hooked. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's really great for – I think it's great for folks our age. It's uh, And I know there are some younger people who are into it too. But well, it's sure. just like a it's – a, it's another freaking history lesson, you know, because when you see those movies and you watch them in context, mm-hmm. some of them are just amazing freaking movies, you know. Yeah. And, and considering uh, that they mm-hmm. – I will definitely miss Robert Osborne introducing those movies because his – his uh, knowledge of the cinema was so great, and so that—that's the sad part of it. I mean, you—you you know, it's like all this knowledge is—is is lost. I mean, granted, a lot of it has been captured by the, the you know, the the, the large number of, of of introductions he's done to movies and talking about movies and and people that he's interviewed and stuff, but. Still, it's it's a big loss. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he had an encyclopedic knowledge of of movies from from oh, yeah. the four, 30s and 40s and 50s, uh-huh. and and uh, luckily he shared a lot of his knowledge, and it's been written down, and you you yeah. know you'll find. Th- Things that have definitely come from his his knowledge mm-hmm. in places like Wikipedia and IMDb and other places where that kind of stuff gets stored. Um, right. 
So, yeah, it's it's great that and, you know, he recorded several interviews. In fact, TCM is going to uh, they're going to spend two days here coming up in March where they run nothing but his interviews. Nice. There was one. Yeah, there was one program they did that was like all about his story that they're going to rerun, too. Um, So, yeah, you know, I have to look for that. That's neat. Yeah, okay. I can't remember the dates. It's but uh, you can go on TCM's website and see. It's it's uh, uh, March twentieth, somewhere in that range. Okay, now let me ask the nineteenth or something. Okay, well let me ask you something, because uh, I don't really know a lot about his uh, history. But uh, was he an actor at one point in his life? He started as an actor, and he actually somehow got a contract with Desilu, uh, and he. Okay. Started as an actor with Desi Lou, mm-hmm. and then him and Lucy became great friends, and he pretty much kind wow. of became her personal assistant. And so oh, he shit. met a lot of hmm. stars through her, and uh, and he wrote a couple books about Oscars, the uh, the history of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, but he kind of really got his start when Lucy, when Desi Lou hired him, hmm. and originally they hired him as an actor, and he had been in a few things. I don't think he ever had a starring role. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he was an actor at one point, but then he became more of a behind the scenes kind of person. Ah, okay, all right, interesting. So. Yeah, so um, he will be missed. He will, and you know, talking about him makes me think about another thing I wanted to talk about this week, which yeah. is um, there's a new series called Feud that that is the story of the feud between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, hmm. um, which is something Robert Osborne probably knows more about than anyone except those two women. And, yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah. So anyway. Hmm. Um, but if we have time, we can talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, anybody else on the, uh, list of, uh, celebrity deaths? Not that I have seen. Um, uh, uh, okay. There are some lesser known folks. Alan Combs, who was the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, designated punching bag on Fox, Fox News died. Uh, oh, well, I saw that. that yeah, right? the, yeah. Uh, Hannah Teen Combs. Exactly. Um, who else? Norma McCorvey. She was the anonymous plaintiff the... known as Jane Doe in the Supreme Court's 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. Yep. Yeah. I, I had those. I had her. I considered both of them, but mm-hmm. she turned into an anti-abortion religious nutcase, and I'm like, well, fuck her. I'm glad she died. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm kidding. No. I'm not. I'm, well, I'm not kidding necessarily, but I'm I'm being snotty. Right. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm. All right. Cue the music. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. Um, okay, can we? We got so much I want to cover. I know. Should I start with when we rise? Yes. So, Lodger, I heard that you were watching a. Um, is it a TV show or is it a documentary or a movie? What's it called, and what is it? 
So When We Rise was mm-hmm. what it was called. It's on, okay. It was on ABC. It's what I guess you would call a miniseries. Okay. It was a – what it turned out to be, you know, they promoted it as kind of a uh, history of LGBT uh, uh, plus um, history. Okay. Um. But I wasn't sure, you know, you know me, I don't like to know too much ahead of time about what it was about. So I mm. watched it without really reading much about it beforehand. OK. Um, and and so it was written um, and and some of the episodes were directed by a guy named Dustin Lance Black. He's the guy. He He's a screenwriter. He wrote the uh, movie Harvey Milk. Actually, it's just called Milk that Gus Van Zant did a couple of years ago. Yeah. And um, and and Gus Van Zant directed a couple episodes of When We Rise. Dustin Lance Black also dates the Olympic swimmer Tom Daly, who's much younger than him. Hmm. And Dustin Lance Black is such a great writer that he can have. I'm perfectly fine with him having Tom Daly. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves Tom Daly. Okay. And that's saying a lot. All right. Um, this this miniseries is it's like the gay. I call it the gay roots. You know, it is like Roots in oh. the seventies mm-hmm. was so important and groundbreaking and so vital to African American identity. Um, you know, it was. I mean, to me, Roots was a game changer. I remember watching it when I was a kid with my mom. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 an amazing story and it's based on alex haley's real family history um, yeah that it is um but also somewhat fictionalized and that's kind of what when we rise was it it oh, took me mm-hmm. uh, almost an hour into the show to realize oh um the these are the main characters in this are real people um it hmm. was it's so like there's three characters there's a there's a teenage uh a gay teen. His name is Cleve Jones. There was a uh, a black guy who was in the Navy, and then there was a girl named Roma Roma Guy, and she was um, uh, she was like into now, and I can't remember what the other uh, women's organization of the time was um but she's like a, a fighting for for women's rights in the late 60s okay so it starts in the late 60s mm-hmm. and um and it and it just starts showing you these three characters and what's going on in their lives the 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 teenager uh lives in uh, some little small town I, I think in nevada and his dad is a psychotherapist and and does lobotomies and and all kinds of crazy conversion therapy on gay people oh and um the black sailor sees yeah the black sailor is like a uh, he has a a lover and so when they get to certain points uh, certain ports, they go rent a hotel room so they can be together. Um, and then the the girl starts out in the peace. She's in the Peace Corps and she's kind of having a relationship with this other girl who's in the Peace Corps with her. And I can't remember. They're in some place like like Haiti or someplace. Hmm. I'm sorry, I can't remember. That's probably not a good uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. And they start having kind of a love affair while they're there. And the girl who plays her lover is the girl who played Bart in Dirk Gently. It took me two uh, almost two hours to recognize her. Oh, and she's well. great in 
in this. Um, she looks so different in Dirk Gently, so I, I can forgive you for that one. <laughs> well, she does, although, you know, it, it, it did take me a while to realize that's who she was because she also isn't talking with that little kind of weird voice that <laughs> right. she did in Dirk Gently. Yes. But she still has that kind of masculine energy and mm-hmm. and ruggedness about her. Yeah. Um, and. And it's funny, it, it takes, you know, um, I, I've, her character, you just kind of, you fall in love with all these characters. Okay. So when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm watching it and this, this gay teenager whose dad is the psychotherapist guy, yeah. uh, comes out to his dad, who's played by David Hyde Pierce. I just, hmm. I was, I was like, oh God, don't come out to your dad, your dad. Oh, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And eventually he just had had to leave home uh it was funny because i was i was really scared for him and i was like oh dude don't don't tell him don't tell him yeah right it's gonna start hacking on your brain exactly and then at the same time you're like oh my god you know he has to come out because you know we all have to come out eventually and and he comes out to his dad and his dad is is uh not happy and he he doesn't run away because he's 18 but he he leaves and goes on the road and so Another thing that's really cool is that that all three characters see a copy of Life magazine from 1971 mm-hmm. that is like the you know the year in life and there are all these words on the front a cover of Life magazine that are about things that are going on in the world Vietnam and all these different things are on the cover of this and one of them is uh, one of the terms on there is gay rights and it it attracts oh. all of them to it because it's kind of about when they all you know that that point in history right after Stonewall where everyone started where where gay people really started fighting for their rights mm-hmm. and and gay li- you know what was then called gay liberation and all those things mm-hmm. and it's like they all three see that magazine and it like it kind of flips a switch in their mind to say oh this is this is something i can fight for uh, um uh. so it's 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 really interesting because uh so the the character of the teenager the white teenage boy his name is cleve jones and i'm like man that's an odd name and it sounds really familiar yeah and then um towards the second episode they start getting into the story of uh harvey milk um, and I realized, oh, my God, Cleve Jones is one of the guys who was he was young. He worked with Harvey Milk. He's a character in the movie Milk with Sean Penn. Hmm. And he's played by Emil Hirsch. Okay. And uh, this this kid who played him in in this uh, show, When We Rise, his name is Austin P. Oh, I can't remember what his name was now. Uh, I wrote it down. Hang on. OK. Uh, Austin P. McKenzie. And right. he was fantastic. You fell in love with him. He was just so, so he has the, this amazing smile. And this is like what Cleve Jones <laughs> was like from from people who I, you know, who have talked about Cleve Jones. Cleve Jones is still alive. He's actually in the this movie later on oh, uh, in documentary okay. kind of interview parts. All but right. He, this kid who plays him is so good. You just fall in love with him and you, you know, uh, he, he's so it's such a positive image and and he's really a young guy who really did get involved in gay liberation and gay rights in the late 70s with harvey milk yeah and worked for harvey milk and helped get harvey milk elected and um hmm. it took me almost the whole first episode to go oh my god it's cleve jones the guy who actually worked with harvey milk so okay well let me of, let me stop you there okay, okay. so i'll uh, now you might have mentioned this earlier. Would you say that most of the main characters in 
this show or this miniseries are are actual people who actually yes. existed. Okay. Just yes. kind of in a, so, in a in a at least in a dramatized version of their lives. Exactly. Yeah. I okay. think this is I mean, I it is definitely very similar to a biopic. Mm-hmm. It, I do believe uh uh Dustin Lance Black tried to make it um uh, as realistic as possible based on because all three of these people are still alive. And so, okay. you know, he was and they're interviewed in later parts of the movie. And um, uh, so I'm sure he was able to talk to them and get their stories. And 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 sure, there are some things that happened that happened that I'm sure are for dr- dramatic license. Um, uh, but, well, you know, of course, it, you know. It is. It is. Um, a, but it, it, it's a TV show after all, so they have to. Jazz sure. There's always going to be poetic bit. license. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So, um, so you know, it, it's just this amazing miniseries, and it starts in the '70s, kind of right after Stonewall, with Harvey Milk, and then of course, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's cool about Harvey Milk is they show him in in um, uh, a documentary footage in in real footage yeah that's cool uh, from the 70s mm-hmm. but they but and he's a character that they talk about in the movie but he never there's no one playing him that does a scene in the movie mm. with these characters that we the with cleve jones and that kind of thing right. so it's done really well it's done mm. using using footage from the time um and um and you know uh we get to you know we get to the part where harvey milk gets assassinated and it just yeah it breaks your heart all over again just like the just like the movie does and the and the real story does right um but it's just a really it's it goes into a lot of in-depth stuff about uh, lgbt history and mm-hmm. so it starts there it, it goes through milk and then it goes on to what happened after harvey milk where um uh, other people started becoming activists, and then of course it it's it does. By the time you get to um, part three, it's they're into the eighties and the AIDS and the AIDS quilt, right? And um and it goes all the way to present day with the legalization of of same sex marriage. Um, so so like when it's it's actually cons- on on the way it's broken down on things you read it says it's six episodes six uh, parts uh-huh. but they showed it in four nights so the first and last episode are two hours and then there's four one hour episodes in the middle but they showed two per night hmm. so basically okay. it was four nights two hours each night so wow when you get to the the middle of it uh, is when they 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 go into the 80s and 90s and the new actors play these people who were teenagers at the beginning of the movie. Mm, okay. So so Cleve Jones is played by um Guy Pierce and uh, Mary Louise Parker is in it and full, uh, there's a bunch of different actors and actresses that are in it and different parts um uh, uh Rosie O'Donnell is in it, Whoopi Goldberg is in it, uh TR Knight, Ra- Rob Reiner, Felicia Rashad um and and so um so like M- Mary Louise Parker plays the Roma guy character when she's older and mm-hmm. at first it's a real it's a real jarring kind of thing because they they change radically from one episode to the next and it mm-hmm. takes and and you 
you know, you're so, I, you so, these young people are so full of energy and so exciting and they're so energized and, and dynamic that when they become older and new actors start playing them it, for a minute, it's a little bit of a letdown because you miss that youthful exuberance right. that was in the earlier episodes. But well, that's um, kind of a, kind of a parallel to uh, roots in the same way, you know, when you're shifting from one age to another, it's like you have to reacquaint yourself with that particular character in a different era so yeah now i right I right i understand why you're calling it the gay roots from that from it that really standpoint is. too yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so um guy pierce plays him plays cleve jones as an older guy and it took me a, a long time to really get into his portrayal uh of of cleve jones but but yeah. he, he won me over and it took a little while but he definitely won me over okay. um um, and then, um, so it goes through the eighties, um, through the AIDS and the AIDS quilt and Reagan, not even, even saying the word AIDS until he, I think he was in his seventh year as president or, and, right, um, probably, you know, and then they went through the whole, pro- uh, gay marriage being legalized in California. Cause most of this is set in San Francisco. Um, so they go through the whole California prop eight and then, uh, all the all the trials and the Supreme Court that that goes through, and then eventually the Supreme Court ruling that legalized same-sex marriage, mm. and uh, and they touch on a lot of things throughout that the the inability of gay people to gay couples to um, to adopt um, lesbians deciding to uh, um, father children fa- not father <laughs> mother <laughs> children without without yeah. uh, you know through artificial insemination or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the character that's played by um, the girl from uh, Dirk Gently, her name is Deanne. Yeah. Um, she decides to that she wants to have a baby, and so they find a gay man to donate sperm. But it's done old school style. I mean, they put it in a they put it in a, a tube and and run it over to her house because she doesn't want to know yeah. who it is. Sure. And they run it over to her house, and she inseminates herself. Sure. And the it, old and uh, takes, turkey baster method. It, it, that's and they call, that's what they called it in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, it's so, a real thing. Um, <laughs> It's a real thing, and um, and then eventually her her daughter is a, is a young teenager and wants to know who the father is, and so they research and find out who it is, and hmm. it's a guy who actually uh, becomes mayor uh, or he runs for city council, I think, in in San Francisco. Uh, another guy, Tom, Tom Amiano, I think is his name, hmm. uh, a real person, okay. um, who's played by uh, I can't remember who plays him in the movie, but he's great. But it's just it was so great. It was uh, you know, and I don't know. I don't know if anybody who isn't already on our side would watch it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of times when I when there's gay movies and gay things, I always say it's preaching to the choir. But it's just another one of those things where if there's just one gay kid out there that watches it and realizes that, you know, he's not alone, then it's all worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's a there are there are histories out there that have never been told. And this is one of those histories that it, probably hasn't been told i mean granted you know definitely uh, you know the uh milk highlighted a very uh, famous and prominent person but you know there's so many other people involved in that struggle that you know don't necessarily get the uh uh the attention and and shows like this help to uh, 
bring that out. Absolutely. You know, um, I mean, like I said, Cleve Jones is a real person and all the things they show him doing in this movie, Mm -hmm. um, working for working for Harvey Milk, helping him get elected, helping helping the gay community in San Francisco and making San Francisco kind of a gay haven and then being a part of the AIDS quilt and being a part of the gay gay marriage in uh, getting legalized in California mm-hmm. are all things that he's done. He is really a LGBT hero and kind of an unsung one. And so right. a move, a, a miniseries that celebrates all he's done uh, is needed and, and, it's awesome. It's so great. He's, you know, and the guy, the uh, African-American sailor, his name is Ken Jones. He has a completely different storyline, but also yeah. struggles with like he's he's dating a guy. Well, he's not dating. He's with a guy who um, works in works in um, the ch- like CPS in in San Francisco. And uh-huh. there was a time where they were trying to make it illegal for Anyone could be fired for if they were a school teacher or worked with children and and were openly gay. Yeah, you, you know that was a thing that went through the the courts and the and the legal system and was propositions and all those things, and and so and then his lover dies and his lover's family takes everything and he has nothing. He's thrown out on the street because right. back in the day there was nothing to protect him, uh, even though he was pretty much virtually married to this guy and with him for for like 20 years yeah when that got you know they hadn't they weren't smart enough to set up you know what would happen if one of them died and mm-hmm. uh, um and or or maybe they just uh, you know at that time maybe people weren't realizing that they could do some things legally to help you uh, yeah. when that happens but, but but his story is really interesting too it takes a completely different arc and then um the girl uh, of course and with her partner um, they have a her partner has the baby. They raise the child, and and then she's continually involved in uh, women's rights work and and the uh, working for helping poor people in the uh, health system. I mean, she she worked to get California was one of the first states that had like universal health care uh, for residents, and she yeah. worked on that for a long time. So I mean, hmm. they're all they're all they're three people who really did. A lot to help, to, you know, the, to help gay people and 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 disenfranchised people and outsiders uh, help them with with their rights. Hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, it was fantastic. I mean, just to see that on network television, you well, know, you know, some you know, there were some people out there who watched it who who had their hearts and minds changed. Well, that's very likely, and uh, so. You know, unfortunately, I missed it, so um, I guess I'll have to uh, go on to Netflix or uh, ABC, whatever. I, guess, I wonder if you could I, ABC. I guess, I guess they have an app that uh, I can uh, watch it off of on uh, uh, my Apple TV, I hope. I'm sure it's on some streaming service, or it will yeah. be soon. But and, to, uh, it's and it mm-hmm. seems like it would get a DVD release as well. Yeah, but to hear you describe it, it sounds like a a, a great show to see. So, um, gonna... it, it it it's neat that it it take you know I I like I said I didn't know what it was before it started, and so for to watch it and have it revealed to me as it goes along that it's about three real people mm-hmm. and their life stories and the things they've accomplished and the setbacks they've had, um, 
right. it you know was just fantastic and it's it's well done there's there's a couple it's almost like walking dead there's a couple scenes of cgi where they cgi in the actors into footage from oh, the time period uh, a la and Forrest there's one Gump. That, right and yeah. there's one there was one scene that was so horribly done that it it was i mean it was laughable um <laughs> well but, um yeah. <laughs> but other than that, there there was nothing to fault in this in this. It, you know, it was always interesting and always uh, and you know, and uh, it's cool too because there's just a lot of uh, actors uh, that people like that are in it, and then there are some actors that you hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, the the kid that played young Cleve Jones, he he's just so charismatic and so you just love this kid and and you know he's he you know the, at the beginning he's out on the street trying to to find himself and find a place for himself and mm. he you know he turn he turns to prostitution and and um you know he lives on the street he gets beat up um it's fascinating fascinating story and the and the guy who plays him is so good you just mm. care so much all three of them actually are are so amazing in their roles that you just it really draws you into the story okay so there are there are three main storylines is what you're saying and they're yeah, all they, they equally can, they convert mm-hmm. they converge and weave especially roma guy the the um, women's rights activists and and Cleve Jones work together a lot and are in San Francisco together and are are, are friends and um, so their storylines converge often. Um, the Ron Jones, who's the African American guy, yeah. is kind of at the he kind of goes off and does his own thing and he lives on the streets for a while too and is a drug addict and things. Hmm. And so there are times where he's his storyline is completely divorced from what's they're going through um but then it kind of merges back at the end once he kind of cleans himself up up he also becomes kind of an activist and uh he does it through a church but uh he he you know that's that's one of the things during the whole story is him trying to find a church that works for him because mm, the church mm-hmm. has been important to him you know it's a little cliched but as an african-american ch- church was really important to him and right. so he struggled for a long time to find a church that accepted him that he could accept as well sure and, and you know and then he uh he becomes a drug addict he meets a guy in rehab all kinds of interesting things happen so yeah that has to be pretty difficult for people who are they're religious and also are gay you know when they come out they a lot of them get shunned by their you know current congregations and they yeah they're they're kind of set adrift and have to hopefully find a a a new congregation if you know they so choose right uh, yeah we'll accept them and uh, i'm sure that's right and that's that story has been and has been written many 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 times right i mean and that's part of his story too is is he finds a church that he goes to that is totally tells him he has to he has to suppress you know his his real self mm-hmm. and because he's a drug addict and wants to recover he's willing to do that even though in his heart he knows it's not right because he thinks it's what he really needs to survive you know to to be whole and and then uh he finds another church where they're they have a completely different take on it and he realizes 
this is the one that I've been looking for. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you know me, I'm not a big religious person and I'm kind of anti-religious, but right. um, his storyline is just so interesting um, that, you know, it, it keeps you captivated just like the other stories do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. It's called When We Rise. All right. I, um, I, I'm going to watch it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I want to get the DVD when it comes out. It's something I would like to see again. Sure, um, of course. So we talked about bad CGI, and that just definitely makes me want to talk about Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the uh, you know yeah. we talked about the bad CGI and the where the um, the scavengers live. I can't remember what their group is called. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh oh, God, uh, oh, I can look at I my know, notes. right? I can look at my notes. Yes, uh, I guess they were called the scavengers. Jadis. They were called the scavengers. Were they called the scavengers? Yeah. I called them the lazy opportunists, but, you know. That's right, yeah. That's just me. Um, you know, when, when there was that shot of, of Rick up on the up, 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 and you see all the, the gleaming metal and trash behind him. Right. The rest when of I the saw junkyard. that, I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when I saw that, I just assumed it was CGI, but but it didn't really. To me, it was okay. It was it was acceptable. I didn't really think that was so bad. Eh, but yeah. then we had the fucking deer, and the deer <laughs> was god awful horrible. Who, uh, who yeah. has the Walking Dead hired to do their CGI work this this season? Because whoever it is, they need to fire them, and they need to. I mean, it's I, I it's totally unacceptable on on a show that's supposed to be a quality show. Right. It, it's just it's that, totally unacceptable. Yeah, that deer reminded me of a, a hunting video game. From the uh, late nineties, <laughs> it, it was that bad. So uh. it was horrible. Well, we we have seen two episodes since the last time we talked. Um, uh, oh, the first really? one was the the Eugene and Dwight episode, as I as I will call it, right? Um, because that was the main story on that, and mm-hmm. um, that was I just thought that one was really fascinating. It Eugene was. is such a great character. I've liked Eugene a lot, but in this in this episode, I was just like, oh, he's this guy who plays him is so great. Yeah, um, he, yeah he definitely loved, he had a chance to shine finally. Uh, Eugene's on Easy Street, man. Oh, dude, I loved that when he turned on the radio <laughs> and Easy crazy. Street came on. It almost makes me forgive the deer. That was so great, but <laughs> it's just. It just, I chuckled, I laughed, actually, I laughed out loud so hard, I just thought that was ingenious. Oh, it was. And, um, it was a great callback. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, I laughed and laughed. But um, that episode was so great because y- you just don't know if Eugene is has bought in or if he's faking it and, and biding his time. There's no, well, you know... He, you know, Eugene was, was always good at, at working the system. Or at least, you know, you remember back in the day when he was uh, basically lying and using Abraham to help him survive. And uh, this is right. this is just kind of a an extent an extension of that, I would think. You know, right? How much he's really right, bought I, into being into being part of Negan. I guess we're going to find out. 
Yeah, I mean, I just can't tell if his game plan is I'm just these guys are badass and they can protect me and it is easy street here and I'm just I'm a smart right. guy and I'm just going to use them uh, and, like I did uh, Abraham and right. and and enjoy the ride here. Right. Or if his game plan is I'm going to play along until I can do what's right for Rick and and the rest of the group. Right. Um, and because he, he could do it could go either way, believably. Well, that's true. And well, you got to remember, he gets all the pickles he can eat. All the pickles and pussy he can eat. All, well, really, he can't eat the <laughs> no, pussy. No, he no, can only yeah. look at it and talk to it. Right. That's terrible. But um, um, I, th- I think his style is more just watching from afar and masturbating. I, well, I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. He's he's creepy. Creepy, yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's always interesting. I mean, the, the whole thing with him and Negan's wife's was really interesting that whole thing with them and the trying to get the pill made and right realizing what they're doing which was Mm -hmm. totally i didn't get that that was what it was at all he you know he's a really smart person even though he's like completely socially inept you know the thing is with the with the whole pill thing um were they really trying to get him to make pills to kill negan or was it a test of 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 his loyalty, you know, right? We, we don't. Because the we wives, don't, right? Mm-hmm. We assume that they're unhappy, but maybe they're not. Yeah, it could have been, could have been a ruse. You know? I don't know. Maybe they were pr- completely honest and they did want to, you know, get out from under Negan's thumb or penis or whatever. <laughs> right. I, yeah, that was just I'm, to me, that was a great, you know, sometimes they'll have these episodes. Well, often they have these episodes that just kind of concentrate on one or two characters. And, you know, that was pretty much Eugene and Dwight's yeah. episode mm-hmm. and totally interesting, totally, you know, totally captivating the the ending with with um, Eugene saying we are Negan. Just I just loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was uh, nothing bad to say about that episode. Uh, no, it was it was. It, I mean, Eugene's a really interesting character, and I I wish yeah. there was more of him on the show because he he always makes it interesting. Yeah, well, uh, I, and I, I'm trying to remember the actor's name who plays him, but uh, I can't. Josh Josh Mc Josh McDermott. Yeah, that's. I it. think it just came. It right. just came to me. Josh McDermott. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really great. I mean, towards the beginning, when when Abraham and them first came around, I didn't think that much of Eugene. I mean, I just thought he was a goofy character. But I mean, I, you know, I didn't see there was, in a way, there wasn't a whole lot of substance there. Yeah. Um, but you know, the more he's around, the more interested he mm-hmm. gets and the more you're interested in him and his story. So, yeah, to be and sure. And then the, the, ep- the episode after that with, uh, which was mainly Rick and Michonne. Yes. The, the, um, the, uh, comedy, the comedy rompings of Rick and Michonne. <laughs> I thought the, I mean, I was loving that episode. The, their, their, their story is interesting as well. Uh-huh. The whole carnival location thing was really cool and, and unique. Yes. I was, I was so into that episode and then there was a CGI deer and <laughs> then Rick hid under the dumpster. Well, was it a dumpster or was it a crate? Uh, all I it know was a crate or something. All I know is a big callback 
to the whole Glenn dumpster episode yeah, I, because you think that Rick has been he has been killed by the zombies, but it turns out it's the well, deer that was actually killed. So it's, it's anyone who thought it was Rick is. Did you for a second think it was Rick? No, immediately I was going. Oh, it's the deer. They're eating the deer. Yeah. Any so. anyone who thought it was Rick is. I'm sorry. Is an idiot. Um, <laughs> I, it just was. I just thought it was so dumb, so poorly, well, uh, just dumb, just a dumb idea. I guess they thought they were paying homage to themselves because there was a couple yeah. other scenes in that episode that were homages to earlier scenes in the series. Yes. Um, that was brought up on Talking Dead uh, that I was like, oh, yeah, that that is very similar to something that happened in a different episode. And mm-hmm. and I, I guess that was a, a homage to Glenn under the dumpster. But, I, you know, I, it just it yeah. took an episode that I thought was fantastic and turned it into a, a piece of shit. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, I just I just dumb to dumb dumb. I just thought it was dumb. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was it was a little hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what else and, happened and, in and, that episode. Other than and you don't believe that. that you don't believe that Michonne believed it either. This idea that Michonne was lost her mind and dropped her katana, uh, totally unbelievable. Yeah. I, I realize they're trying to show how much Michonne really has grown to love Rick, right? But I didn't, you know, that all just took me out of the episode. I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other cool thing in that episode was the walker through the windshield of the car. That was actually kind of cool. Yeah, okay. That yeah, the, uh, the the army walker and then Rick's trying to pull him out and he comes off in pieces. Piece, piece by piece. <laughs> uh, yeah. It reminds you of that old yeah. song by Johnny Cash, One Piece at a Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um what did they call him on, it, uh, on on the Talking Dead? Did they call him Stretch uh, Armstrong Walker or something? I can't or remember. something like that. Yeah, it was uh, funny. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I, that, was, that was really done well. The, the special effects were good. It was gross. It was, you know, yeah. that was definitely cool. I mean, and that's one of those things, too, where you're like, you know, that's kind of probably how it would be. <laughs> you know, you can't just pull the guy out. He's oh, he's falling apart. Yes. And you're trying to take him out one piece at a time. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's hard enough to kill him when you got to pull him apart first. It's, mm-hmm. it's just gross. Yeah. Um, the, the rest of the episode was Rosita with... Um, uh, Tara, and I can't remember what oh, yeah. Rosita was getting all worked up about, but she's yelling at Tara about some stuff, and then and then it ends with <laughs> Rosita going to see Sasha, and they're yeah. you get the impression that they're going to go after Negan on their own. Yeah, uh, yeah, another another storyline where people are you know going off on their own to kill Negan. Uh, right. Yeah, we've seen that in several episodes prior with uh, various other members, like when Carl went off to. When he was going to kill Negan. And then right, who, who when, else is going to go off to kill Negan? Was it Rosita had the had the bullet made? Well, that's true. And, and yeah. I think um, there's one other one, but oh, well, oh uh, Je- Jesus was going to go do something. And that's when he found Carl. But Jesus had a plan to go. Um, I think he was just doing reconnaissance or something. Though. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, probably. Um, you you also you also get that Tara is going to tell Rick about the uh, Oceanside uh, lesbian villas. Yeah, <laughs> lesbian villas. <laughs> terrible. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. So yeah, she's yeah she's on the edge of uh, of of spilling. Or in a roundabout way is going to spill uh, the that information, but 
It hasn't right. happened yet. Yeah, but, uh, but I, yeah, you're, you're pretty much. It pretty much indicates that that she's going to. But maybe, yeah, maybe something will happen where she doesn't. But you're not mm, sure, and you're not know. sure whether that. Uh, yeah, and I'm not sure if that's a, a a good idea or a bad idea. I know. Yeah. So. Because she did make a promise. However, even after you know she made a promise to them. Of course, after she made a promise, they tried to kill her. So I would think all bets are off. Right. Well, and certainly if they go to Oceanside. To either try and talk to them or to try and somehow do something to capture them or whatever or steal their guns or whatever, that's yeah. going to be a big fight. Well, they don't yeah. want that fight. Yeah, because they're going to be outgunned, first of all, because, I mean, yeah. Oceanside has this huge cache of weapons and a lot of people as well to, to fire them. So yeah. Right, yeah. So Not going to be a good thing. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I, uh, I don't think that's a good thing, but yeah. who knows how that will play out. Um, okay. What? I know we need to get we need to hurry through the next couple things, but okay, that's fine. All right, Bates Motel. Oh, Bates Motel. Yeah, that was a good. Uh, Have you been watching that? Oh yeah, I, I I'm up to date yeah. with Bates oh, Motel. Oh man, the so it's so good. God, it's getting good. Yeah, the whole thing where Caleb comes back and uh, finds out that Norma is dead. Right. And then that thing where he goes to the totally weird headstone where one side is for Norma and then there's the blank side for Norman and the whole poem thing (laughs) written on Norma's side is like beloved mother who is dear and wonderful and lovely and, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't say sexy, but beautiful and, you know, and it's just like, what kind of creepy, weird headstone is Right. (laughs) Obviously, obviously. the inscription written by Norman, because it's it's rambling and right, yeah. long. Yeah. And 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 yeah, in from his mindset. Um, yeah. That's what um, you know. I love that um, Caleb comes in, and then I th- I thought he got I thought he was going to be dead. I thought Norman as Norma killed him. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's not what happened, and um. And then, you know, there's this weird dude whose name is Chick who Oh yeah, who Chick. Wow. sees all of it. Mm-hmm. He's weird. What's his game? I mean, he says he's going to write a book or something. That whole thing mm. is weird. And um maybe. But dude, when when Freddie Highmore is dressed as Norma with the blonde wig and and yeah. hits Caleb and Chick sees him. It's just like this is this is so I mean, it's just like mm. wow. <laughs> You know, it's so weird and it's and crazy. Yeah, the but whole, yet, yeah, it totally fits in. Fits right. the movie to or the TV show totally. Yeah, chick's chick's whole presence there is so absurd that he's he's kind of you know just uh, roaming around, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, in, ingrati- yeah. ingratiating himself to both, you know, Norman as Norma and as and Norman as Norman. As well, at this point, you know. Right, yeah. Totally. I mean, I just, I mean, yeah, You. who knows what his game is? It's just weird and then just kind of totally like, oh, yeah. You know, he totally gets what's going on right away. And mm-hmm. it's just, and, and doesn't uh, seem, I love it too. He doesn't seem phased by any of it. Doesn't and, seem uh, phased at all. And he did go. I love it. Right. He did go by a typewriter, so maybe he is really planning to. And, <laughs> yeah, says he's going to write a book. Yeah. 
a not, I think he says a crime fiction or a, or not fiction. He says crime, a crime, true, true, book cr- or true, true, true crime. crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True crime. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the scene uh, at the end of the the that episode where uh, the, he attacks Ka- where Norma attacks Caleb and then yeah. turns around and Chick's there and 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 Norma Norman as Norma says, "Well, now you know, Chick, I'm alive, I'm still alive, or whatever." And I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> right, so nutty. Yeah, I mean, it's really getting to that point where, um, you know, it's it's uh, Freddie Highmore is so amazing in mm-hmm. this role. And it uh, there's a scene in the the next episode when Caleb's tied up in the basement and and right. um, Norman comes in to talk to him, but he's he's Norma in his mind. Yes, and he tells Caleb he tells Caleb that uh, he says something about how Caleb and Norman are in love with her, are in love with me. You and you and Norman are in love with me, and that's why she can't. Mm-hmm. She can't trust him or something. And I'm like, wow, right. that's that's Norman as Norma yeah. saying that he that Norma thinks that Norman is in love with her. I mean, that's there's so many levels going on there. You can't <laughs> even describe it. You know? Yes. And uh, the, I mean, and, and then the whole thing of Norma, you know, obviously in Norman's mind, convinces Norman that he, he needs to go downstairs and uh, kill Caleb. And he goes yeah. down there, and he's like, "Oh, I, I can't do it." You know, he's so yeah. bizarre. One side of his brain Norman saying he must be killer. killed, and then, but Norman as Norman can't do it, and actually uh, lets him escape. Of course, yeah, we know how that yeah. turns out. It didn't turn out right. very well for Caleb, but uh, <laughs> not at all. But I just love that. I love uh, that whole thing with with you know. it's it's done so well the thing where Mm, where mm -hmm. is norma just what what who is norma really because we see her as as herself you know played by vera farmiga as herself right farmiga yes Uh, (laughs) and and sometimes she's crazy sometimes she's sane sometimes she's mad sometimes she's loving sometimes she's flirty you know she Mm -hmm. she plays she's several different things but then there's also norman's version of norma where she is all those things and maybe more and is and like we were talking about on the last episode is Mm -hmm. his his feelings for his mother are they all in his mind and he's the dirty perv or is she a perv that did something that that played up to that or you know how how, just how responsible is she for how he is and how True. he sees her Court, yeah well that's you know is that all point. in his mind yeah. yeah i mean i just you know i i can't get past the fact that i think that she's uh culpable in a little bit of it but you just don't know how much whether you know he totally it whether it's all in his mind or mm-hmm. whether she um what is it, elicits that from him and you know yeah. plays it up i can't think what the word i'm looking for is but she kind of fans the flames of it because yeah. she realizes it or is she completely innocent and she's just one of those moms that doesn't realize that sometimes she says things that really aren't appropriate or you yeah. know it's just well, well it's such an interesting dynamic we'll never know now because now everything is through the lens of norman's brain so Unless they right. decide to show us some more flashbacks of of Norman's upbringing, it's hard to say. Maybe he's 
just a bad seed and happened to have a, a, a weird mother at the same time that just right you know right. And, you know magnified that you know built in you know fucked upness <laughs> for lack of a right, better term yeah. you know so yeah it's hard I, to know yeah it's of course it's hard to know and it's and and we probably won't ever know for sure of course th- through flashbacks we now know a little more about uh Norma and Caleb's childhood and that they right. were obviously you know uh kids living in fear being locked in uh, you know their room together or at least that's you know Caleb's memory of it of them growing up and them being very very right. close and and at some point in time obviously it, it Caleb became this you know rapist of his sister it's which seems to be verified now through Caleb's recollections or at least the things he said and he's still being very apologetic about it of course maybe the the rest of that story hasn't been told of course we won't we can't hear it anymore because Caleb's dead at this point well or, we or, presume yeah I we mean, presume I he's, mean I thought he was dead at the end of the last of the episode before that and and well, he was just knocked out too. so yeah that guy yeah, I mean yeah he can survive anything what he's a, a tough motherfucker he really is he's 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 a tough motherfucker and he's a sad sack he's the saddest sack I've ever oh, seen oh, in is. a TV he show is. And you know, he is man. Maybe rightfully so, but I, you know, I don't know. Um, and then the end of the episode, um, Alex, like a dumbass, gets shot. Which <laughs> oh, you know, my that God, yeah, his whole uh, it's... escape scene, and then yeah, ending up getting shot by a I don't know a teenage girl because uh, he's break broken into somebody's car. Yeah, yeah. I just I was like, oh, Alex. First, the whole. I mean, it's funny because there's so much. There's that show is so often great, mm-hmm. but the thing where Alex takes the gun from the guy in the bathroom and all that is just you know you see those things and you're like, this is horse shit. This wouldn't happen. No, oh, um, yeah. But I mean, you just have you just have to go along with it and yeah. And uh, why wasn't he being transported? You know, in a a prison wagon or something like that. It, right. Yeah, they had sympathy for him because he got beat up. Yeah. Sure. That's, that's yeah. yeah. It is very unbelievable that that yeah. storyline. But mm. it was funny because when he's at the car and the I and I I guess that was a girl that was holding a gun on him, but I I yes. couldn't tell for sure. I, I mean, I'm, it sure seemed like it was a young girl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, but you know. Yeah. We'll find out. And uh and I was just like, okay, what's he going to do here? He's going to take the gun from her or whatever. And then she shoots him. And I was like, oh my God, yes. Yes, finally, some realism in this part of the storyline. Yeah. She fucking shoots him and doesn't even do it on purpose, really. She just does it by in- right. flinching or instinct or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great. So, so I, um, what's going to happen there? Who knows? Yeah, it could go anywhere. Um, I mean, Norman has to be hmm. able to run freely for a, a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Before Alex shows up. Oh, well, maybe Alex is going to be uh, held captive by these people that don't want to reveal that they shot him, and so it's going to be like a remake of Misery, where Alex is chained to a bed, <laughs> recovering from his injuries. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps that's it's... what will happen. Yeah, there it's, was it's a, weird. There was only other one other thing. Because if they take him to Sorry. the if they take him to the hospital, he's just going to end up back in prison, and then 
what was the whole point of that story arc? Right, something right, different got to I mean, come to, about. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Unless it was just to build you up to think he was coming to save the day, and then he doesn't, um, mm-hmm. because Norman's got to kill kill more. Um, <laughs> right. Um, the other thing that happened was the you know the girl that runs the hardware store that Norman has a crush on that looks si- kind of like Norma. Yes. Um, I can't. Re- is it Margaret? You know, they there's a thing where. I, don't I can't remember what her name is, but, yeah. you know, Rihanna is p- playing Marion Crane, who is the Janet Lee character from the movie. Yeah. The original movie. Yes. And then when when um, when we meet her husband, the the girl's husband that runs a hardware store, mm-hmm. he introduces himself to Norman as Sam Loomis. And Sam Loomis is Marion Crane's boyfriend in the original movie Psycho. Sam Loomis is the one who's having a, a an affair with her in the hotel at the beginning of the movie, and then she steals the money, and then she drives out to Bates to 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 Bates Motel to meet up with Sam Loomis. Wow. Um, okay, I'm and, gl- I'm, um, I'm glad you noticed that because yeah yeah. I- because cause then, then, you know, there's a whole thing where Sam Loomis and Marion Crane's sister investigate, and, and they're the ones who really find out what happened with Norman mm-hmm. uh, killing his mother. So it's going to be interesting to see how how yeah. much, when things start progressing here, how much of that is going to be the original movie's storyline and how much of it is – how far away they're going to get from that. I know. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, I wonder how many episodes are left in this season. I know there are there are ten episodes total, and I think right. we've seen three. So I think yeah. there's seven more. Right. The last one we saw was called Bad Blood, I believe. Uh, I I can't. I know no, it's the no, third no. episode of. The- okay. Are you sure? Uh, it said March. It third- could be the fourth. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because that was March 6th, and we're at the uh, 9th right now. Okay, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, This Is Us. Have you watched that? Oh, yeah. The, the Willi- Williams Memorial? Yes. Or as I'd like Just to say, a- let's make fun of the old man's hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't a spoof. It was an homage. No, to the I, I know, I know. I just thought it was funny. Everybody walking around in a in a, a different colored version of uh, William's hat. William's hat. Yes, I loved the you know the thing with with uh, Randall answering the door and it's the mailman and the mailman starts talking to him about William and he realizes that you know. William touched the lives of a lot of people. Oh yeah, and he didn't realize it. I don't and know. I mean, that's been I, done. Yeah, before. it has. It has. And I don't. But, know who, I don't know who the actor was that played the mailman, but you know, he could have done it to where it it looked campy and and comedic, but he played it just right. It was. I mean. Oh, it's done perfectly. I, I I truly believe that. Yeah, that he was yeah, grieving over, over finding out about oh, William's death. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was um, amazing. I, yeah, I well, you know, I said that's been done before, and it has, but uh-huh. it was done perfectly. Even oh, yeah. when this show does things that you've seen before, they still do it better than you've ever <laughs> seen it before. You know, Agreed. that thing with the mailman, yes. it just, you know, 
the you just felt like Randall there. You could feel Randall's feelings of, mm-hmm. oh my God, this was my dad who I knew and I really didn't know, you know, yeah. and and he's not with us anymore. But I'm going to learn more about him anyway, even right. though he's not here anymore. And I I just thought that scene was done so well. You're right. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about it, but the guy who played the mailman sold that scene perfectly, and oh, and hell. the guy who plays Randall. Um, did you know it was just done so well? Right, his reaction so to the mailman's Ra- reaction was yeah, it was exactly as you know you would expect it in real life. Yeah. So, so who was it? Was it you that told me that Randall was in another show? Uh, it was not me. Oh God damn it! Someone mentioned that Randall was in a different show, hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Now I got to look him up. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. Absolutely. But um. I guess the the big shocker in the uh, the uh, Randall storyline is he walks into his uh, boss's office, or well, actually into a, a company meeting and quits. He quit his job. Yes, yeah, I love that too. I love the whole the whole pear story. You know, I'm fucking allergic oh, to yeah. pears. I worked here <laughs> right. ten years. Yeah, you don't you don't fucking know me. You know. Right in the bye, basically it was like bye. And the shitty Hallmark greeting card that was included with it. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that or, was. I, and I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, yeah, the um, this is what someone told me this week, and I totally was like, oh my fucking god, did you watch the People versus OJ, the one with um, like um, who uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as OJ? I did not see it. Did you see? But uh, it was a. It was, Sterling K. Brown was in that. The yes, guy, he played the guy Chris Darden. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That was that yes. was that was the answer then. And I somebody told me that this week, and it totally blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my god, it's the guy. It is the guy who played Chris Darden, and he was great in that People wow. versus OJ." Uh-huh. But when I, you know, w- when I saw him in This Is Us, I just thought he was an actor that I didn't know, um, because it's actually very two very different types of characters. Oh, and, completely. Um, he's so great as. As um Randall Randall yeah so amazing oh, yeah. um it, it's so great and then um you know Kevin's play went well we all knew that was going to happen that was fine that was right. cool but the critic and, the critic and, uh, did not show up no but Ron Howard called and Ron Howard looks fucking old <laughs> God does he look awful that's exactly Ron Howard what, you do not need uh, to be on camera that's what exactly what Sierra said that's funny. I can't believe that's Opie. He looks fucking old and tired and worn out. Yeah. He needed to, he needed well, to take a break, Ron Howard. Right. <laughs> but but it's, then, a, but it's a big break for Kevin. Oh, yeah. That's going to be really interesting because I'm sure the, the play is probably going to take off, too. Mm-hmm. And so – and then, of course, he's in New York with his ex-wife. Is he going to go to L.A. for two months and make a movie? Or is he going to stay in New York and be with the ex-wife? Right. You know, I'm sure all those things are going to come up. Right. That's that's the next drama is, yeah. Do I, you know, right. finish what I started or, you know, do I, you know, jump ship again? Which is why he probably got divorced from his uh, wife in the first place because he ran off to Hollywood. Well, he definitely, yeah, he, he definitely admits that he cheated on her right. when they were married before, but w- did that happen because he was off running around acting or did something else happen? But we'll find out. Uh, yeah, I guess we will find out. That's true. And, so. and then, of course, the, 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 big, the big reveal at the end where Kate says she's responsible for her dad's death. Right. I mean, she is so close you, to spilling everything. 
to Toby and to us and and yeah. And then so and of course it it leads you to believe that he gets in the truck and is drunk driving because uh, he gets in the right. truck because she wants him to go where the mom is right. and fix things. Yes, and so because, is that really what it Yeah. That's like Jack Jack is obviously back to his alcoholic ways and uh he thinks Rebecca is banging her way across the eastern seaboard. <laughs> uh, which is uh, again I I I'm not sure I believe that that character would really feel that way, but I don't know. You know well, he he obviously people get jealous over dumb stuff sometimes, right? Because whoever Rebecca's bandmate is, he you know, because he just recently found out that you know they had had a thing you know before she and Jack met. So right, yeah. So that's playing around in his head and so you know imagination can run wild sometimes absolutely so yeah, yeah i yeah I, I mean no marriage is perfect as well and then you know they've right. been married a long time so um you know i i certainly see his side of it and and yeah. i th- you know i think the thing we see at the end too is that he realizes that he's he's been a little foolish and that he needs to go find her and let her know that he's okay with 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 things i think that's what he really is going to tell her is yeah i've been dumb and i've been jealous and i know and i trust you and go do your your tour right. and you know have have success so um but he, whether he'll re- yeah. get there or not who knows right i mean he always typically comes to his senses uh but yeah will he get the opportunity to which i guess we're gonna find out soon I, hopefully we will find out soon. Yeah. Well, um, that was the big reveal at the end of This Is Us. Uh huh. And then there there was a big reveal on Riverdale. Good segue. Where we finally we finally <laughs> thank you. We finally find out that Polly is actually a real person and she's pregnant, which is kind of what we suspected. Yeah, we did. Yep, she's in a home for wayward girls. Well, it you know, I love the retro aspect of the show at times where where uh-huh. it's uh like that home for girls is is so 40s and 50s, you know. It, I, it, I, one of the things that's really cool about Riverdale is that whole mix of and it's Bates Motel has that same thing, that whole mix of retro and modern, you know, like like uh in Bates Motel, you know, you see them use cell phones at times, but mm-hmm. then they'll also use like an old rotary phone. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So and um. So yeah, Riverdale definitely has that feeling to it. Um. Yeah. But uh, as far as Home for Wayward Girls, you don't know the Catholic Church very well, do you? <laughs> well, I know that still those, goes on. Yeah. Those places still exist. <laughs> well, yeah, I you know I'm I'm sure they do, um, and probably not too far removed from what you see in that episode. But oh uh, yeah, with a bunch uh, of stern nuns lurking around. Yes, with a ruler <laughs> ready to slap your knuckles. Um, That's right. I'm also you know I am also really uh, you know I'm in love with Cole Sprouse and I just think he's gorgeous and awesome. Um, but yes. I'm really. I'm really loving the character of Jughead and how he plays him. Hmm. There's there was something, you know, this is the episode where they had the variety show and there was something where they, I can't remember they were sitting around it was like him and Kevin Keller and Veronica Lodge and Betty sitting around and they were hmm. talking about doing something and Jughead says, "We can't bring in the whole Scooby gang and do that." <laughs> yes. 
Yes. I just thought, oh, that's fucking classic because anyone else in this show couldn't say that, but he can totally say that because it's exactly the kind of thing you would say. Right. Um, It's it's like, oh, my God, it's the Archie Comics doing a joke about Scooby. (laughs) You know, if Archie wasn't as originally completely as um, lame as Scooby, as as pure and um, wholesome as Scooby-Doo. Right. So it's like uh, it, it's not being self-referential, but it's being kind of comic referential or yeah, yeah, similar time referential or yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it was just such a great reference and just delivered in the perfect way. And yeah. um, I was like, oh, I laughed out loud. I just thought that was funny. Right. Um, yeah, and the, the episode. I mean, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was about to say that the the show did a, a clever thing by making the Jughead character like this instead of making him just a, 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 a comic foil for everyone else. I mean, he's... Right. In, in this, he's, yeah, he's more... <laughs> he's more kind of a, almost a, a, an omnipresent character more than, than anything else or omnipotent right. or... I call- yeah. I, I call him emo Jughead um, because he's <laughs> yeah. like an emo, you know. But, um, you know, when we're recording this, there was an episode that aired on the night that we're recording this that you haven't seen that I've seen. And Jughead right. is a big part of that episode. Um, okay. And so we'll talk about that next on next show. But, yes. Yeah, I look the, forward what to they're it. Doing with the jug, what they're doing with the Jughead character in this series just gets more and more interesting. And, and I have a whole kind of thing I was thinking about on the on the episode that aired where um mm-hmm. you get a, and the, not to spoil anything but you get a lot of the history of jughead's dad and archie's dad is a big part of that show um and so it's hmm. it, it's a re- the next episode is really great so i can't wait to for you to see it so we can talk about it okay that's um, the one that aired it, tonight yeah okay all right um and the one that that we've both seen is the one with the variety show where um I mean there was a whole thing with the Josie and the Pussycats and one yes. of them working with Archie and the and then yeah. Veronica joining Josie and the Pussycats right and, and some of that stuff is you know some somewhat slight but yeah well yeah I guess the character you're talking about is Valerie who left Josie's band to help Arch, or was she kicked out by Josie? I can't. Maybe it was a mutually agreed she, upon thing. Of course, immediately Josie wasn't too happy about the fact that Valerie left. But uh, yeah. right. But then right. The, I mean, but then the whole thing about Veronica coming on was kind of eh, okay. That's it's weird. whatever. But you know, it was it was interesting that I mean, certainly the thing with Josie and her dad kind of being, uh, you know, expecting her to be more serious as an artist because he's kind of a jazz musician. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's he seems, that, that seems pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was interesting. That certainly the whole dynamic between the the parents and the kids in in or the teenagers really in mm-hmm. in Riverdale is really interesting because it's a whole there's there's nothing but drama there. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. there's every teenager on this show has some kind of issue with their parents. There's no happy family. I mean, Jughead or not right. Jughead, um Archie, Archie and his dad kind of get along okay, but they they've had some disagreements and things as well so mm-hmm. well um true but uh, yeah i guess in this episode uh the whole deal between veronica and her mom was a big deal 
Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Uh, what's her name? Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is uh, Veronica who forged Veronica's signature on a contract that allowed them to do what now? It allowed <laughs> Fred. It allowed Archie's dad, Fred Andrews, to be the contractor, the construction company that's building whatever they're building. I can't remember exactly what it is on the land where the movie theater used to be, the oh, drive-in used to be. Okay, thank you. Thank you for reminding yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And th- that has something to do with um, Veronica Lodge's dad, who's in jail, has something to do with that as well. Right. Um, He's orchestrating um, from prison. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one of the things also that happened on that episode with all the drama between um, Josie and her dad was um, two or three times in that episode, they mentioned Josephine Baker. And I thought, wow, that's yeah. really cool. There's there's some kid out there who's going to Google Josephine Baker and, you know, get sent down a slippery slope of mm. finding out just how cool she was and how groundbreaking she was and how interesting she was. And um, and that I mean, I was just like, oh, yeah, I think I just love it when when shows that are aimed at younger people kind of bring up uh, something that, you know, some kid out there is like, oh, mm-hmm. who's that? What's that about? And then right next thing you know, they're watching YouTube videos of Josephine Baker and and reading the Wikipedia page and absolutely and, uh, discovering a, a new person from history to admire. So that was cool. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, yeah, directed education through television. Yeah, yeah. Just, an, I mean, uh-huh. don't you feel that way? I When I was younger, like, um, you know, just from, like, liking David Bowie and, and reading about him and, and, you know, and different mm-hmm. things. And you'd read an interview with Bowie where he'd, he'd mentioned someone like um, – um, um, William S. Burroughs, and you're like, who's who's William S. Burroughs? And then, yeah, somewhere a couple months later, you'd see something about William S. Burroughs, or you'd look him up in the encyclopedia, or and then you know, and then William S. Burroughs would lead you to uh, Allen Ginsberg, or you know, and it was this whole path of discovering things that started with one person that you right. admire. Bringing in that person up, mentioning that person, oh, that's um, true. making you want to find out who it is. Yeah, of course. When, of course, when we, of course, when we were younger, it was a lot harder to gather information like that. It, Nowadays, it was. It's, it's so much easier, you know. Oh man, days, yeah. They can, they can YouTube or Google or whatever it takes to get untold amounts of information. So it's, it's a golden age for kids. It these definitely days. is. Yeah, definitely. So, so my least favorite part of the show, mm-hmm. I guess, Jug, I guess Jughead has to kiss Betty, so we all know he's heterosexual. Uh, Whatever. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, yeah, I knew that broke Lodger's heart there. <laughs> That's what I recall. Whatever, Riverdale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, again, the next episode, uh, that relationship is involved with the next episode. And so mm-hmm. that's a storyline that's kind of continuing the, the Betty and Jughead uh, storyline. So that it's interesting, at least I think it's an, the, it's an interesting direction. It made me think, what if, you know, the Archie comics are all based, based about how Archie loves Veronica and Betty. What if this TV show was all about how Betty loves Jughead and Archie and can decide between the two oh, of them, hmm. uh, you know, it's it's little it throws little kinks in there you never yeah, know. Well, time will tell on that. 
regard. Yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, and Sierra was the one who brought this up. She was uh, talking about the you know the character of Valerie who broke away from Josie and the Pussycats and was helping Archie mm-hmm. out, and she was like, "That girl ain't high school age. She's 30. <laughs> <laughs> well you, like, you can't <laughs> you know and the, the the young woman who plays valerie i mean she's very striking i mean she has very striking eyes and and features and so uh you know i didn't even think about that but i was like yeah you know well, yeah you're right of course you know i'm so old anybody under 30 could be a high school kid to well, me you know right <laughs> you know now that you say that i didn't really think about it but like I think Cole Sprouse is like he's at least twenty three, twenty four. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. have any trouble. Yeah, no. I mean, I he's mean, a, he's gradu he's graduated college. Him and his brother, his twin brother, went to college when yeah. they were turned eighteen and did four years at. And I think Cole went to NYU. And but he's and he's so completely he's at least twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, but he's completely believable as a high school kid. I think I think so, too. But I, you know, but and you've seen this, too. If you go into any high school, there are kids there that there are kids. There are like 16 year olds that look 12 and there are 16 year olds that look 25. Well, it's, <laughs> it's true. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, 100 percent. true. I've, yeah. I've definitely seen someone and, and then found out they were 16 and was like, my God, he looks like a full grown man, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. bigger than me, bigger than anyone that you think of as being 16. And you're like, Jesus, he's right. in a school with a bunch of kids that are look like kids. And he looks like, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's all the hormones in the milk. It is. It's all the hormones, hormones, and everything that we eat, and, <laughs> right. and and what's whatever's in the air and the water probably isn't helping yeah. either. So all the genetically modi- um, all the genetically modified organisms that we're consuming these days. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with the car fire and with Polly escaping the nuns, uh, uh, the home for wayward girls oh, run by nuns. That's right. Yeah. So. So, um, yeah. Oh, they find um, they find um, Jason Blossom. Jason Blossom. Yes. Jason, right? Yeah. They yeah. find his car, and there's drugs in it. Right. And there's and there's his his um, his uh, high school jacket is mm-hmm. in there. And um, by the and time some, was there yeah. money? Uh, probably. I think there was some money in there yeah. too. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Of course, by the time they got the authorities to come have a look, all the evidence was destroyed. The car was on fire. Yep. The car. The car. The car 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 is is on fire. fire. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I can't wait for you to see the next episode because I'm. It's it's a really good one. It's uh, a lot is revealed and um, uh, there's some there's some interesting plots that develop. So. Hmm. Okay. Well. Cool. I look forward yeah. to uh, probably too late for me to watch it tonight, but uh, yeah, definitely tomorrow. Cool. Right around the time that I watch my guilty pleasure TV show, which I won't reveal until next week. Oh, you already <laughs> know what my guilty pleasure is, although I have more than one. Yeah, you probably do. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely have one, but I'll, I'll see if I have, I'll, I'll rack my brain to see if I have another, but probably not. But uh Okay, man. Um, yeah, I'll have to think about it too. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here we are at, at the uh, two and a half, two hours forty-five minutes, two and a half hours, somewhere around there. Yeah, two mark. hours thirty-five minutes. <laughs> but we All can. All right, we, we can take it. 
a break or two. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I, I paused while um, I went to get a drink of water, and uh, when I had to pee because I took the drink of water. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you want to see what our next oblique strategy is? The oblique yeah, strategy. Yeah, let's do the oblique strategy. Oh, and I will say, um, I mentioned it earlier. We're we're going to talk about feud on the next episode. The new. Uh, FX series with Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Oh. Uh, it, it's on Sunday nights. If you get a chance to watch that, I think you'd like that too. But yeah. if not, I, I definitely will. Will by that time, I'll have seen two episodes. The next by the next time we do a show, so hmm. I can talk a little bit more about it. So how do you um, like? And the, also, uh, how do you like the actresses that are portraying uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford? Do you know who it is? No, I don't. Oh, it's Jessica Lang is playing um, Joan Crawford, and oh. Susan Sarandon plays Susan Sarandon plays Betty Davis. Oh. It's written and it's created casting. by Ryan Murphy. Yeah, mm. oh, they're great. It's written and created by Ryan Murphy, who is the um, isn't he the uh, American Horror Story guy? Uh, maybe I don't know. All I th- right, I think he is. Hmm. Um, okay. But yeah. It's it's uh, I've, I saw the the first episode and it was fantastic. I can't wait for more. So all right, well we'll we'll save it for next week and that way I can uh, I can be in on it. Okay. Cool. Otherwise it'll and be Fargo return Fargo Fargo returns April nineteenth. Ooh. So I'm okay. ex- I'm excited about that too. Yeah, so. looking forward to it. Cool. All right, awesome. So oblique strategy of the week. Oblique strategy of the week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> How would someone else do it? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, How, that's that's just like saying, it? "How else can it be done?" Because yeah. who's the? I mean, be more specific. How about how would someone who hates you do it? How would someone who you hate do it? Oh, how wow. would someone who you think is stupid would do it? <laughs> you got to be a little more specific than that. How would how would someone else do it? Well, yeah. that's just like saying how else could it be done? Mm, you mm-hmm. need you got to have a specific person in mind. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just Unless try. You're gonna look for well, like, I think it's just a ahead. matter of like trying to get outside of your own head, so that you can think a little differently. You know, maybe it is. Yeah, some, yes. yeah. <laughs> someone dumber than you. Someone I mean, smarter than you, like you said. Right. Yeah. Or how would the vast majority of people do it? Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how mm-hmm. would what would be the most common way this would be done? Or, yeah. Yeah, Certainly, or, or, it is thought-provoking. It's kind of like, you know, Brian Eno saying, how would Brian Ferry do it? <laughs> well, he, or, he, or would, how, he would... how would Robert would, Fripp do it? Right. Well, it, yeah, in the case of Brian Ferry, he'd say, hmm, he'd probably warble a lot more. <laughs> so. He would do it like a smooth motherfucker would do it. Oh, he definitely would. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're going to see him pretty soon, so, yeah, we're going to find out. Yeah, <laughs> just a couple weeks, man, the 22nd. Wow, I'm excited. It's like one one Wednesday night we see Brian Ferry, and then a week later on Wednesday night we see Psychedelic Furs. Whoa, yeah, that, that's going to that's gonna be an amazing uh, couple of shows. We're going to have a and lot then in of May- material. Hmm. 
I am I'm so lucky that in May we're going to see the B-52s and then I'm going to drive to Houston and me and my nephew are going to go see the B-52s in Houston. (laughs) That's that's great. Let's see the the difference in dynamics of the crowd and how that affects uh, the the overall show. And if the set list will be the same or will it be somewhat different? Hmm. Will it be different? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I realized is we decided to do that because it's on May May 18th, they're in Austin. May 20th, they're in Houston. Mm -hmm. May 21st is my parents' 55th wedding anniversary. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll go there that weekend and we'll we'll, uh, do this B-52s and then I'll you know, we'll all go down and see my folks and and celebrate their fifty um, fifth wedding anniversary. And then wow. me and my nephew will spend a couple days together just hanging out in Houston. But what I realized was, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. My parents' fifty fifth wedding anniversary is on the same day that the first Twin Peaks airs. Oh, and I'm like, how am I going to make that work? Well, I, so. You're gonna have to be creative, apparently. I I guess so. I'm gonna have to find out if I don't know if my nephew has showtime. I don't know if my folks have showtime. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got a lot of planning to do to figure out how that's gonna work out. Okay. Well. Oh, yeah. here we hadn't really talked about Twin Peaks, so you can play the Twin Peaks music here. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Those are people who've died, died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have one lead into the other, right? All exactly. Right. Cool. Yeah. Okay, man. All right. So, uh, well, um, let me. In- I'm yeah. sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry that I uh, my computer broke and it took us two weeks to get to a new show. Well, it's not exactly something that you had much control over. So that's uh, true. Yeah, but it's thank, okay. Thank you for all your help with getting a new computer and and our whole experience at Fry's and yeah, well, it was nice to hang out and see you at least. Well, it's true. We did get a yeah on on a Monday evening. That was kind yep. of fun. And going going to Fry's is always fun for me. You know, I like to. To browse and it was fun being your moral support while you uh, got a I needed a computer. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cool. Yeah, and and we went to Threadgills and ate dinner beforehand, which is always a I love Threadgills. Yeah. Always glad to go there. So yeah, it's good times. Yeah, and you had a crush on the waiter, <laughs> so it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> there was what was going on there. There was something going on. I didn't know. I think he didn't realize I was gay at first, so he was just treating me like like he would treat any other dude. And then he was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this guy's gay. I've got to flirt with him if I want a tip." <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so it but was. But he did a good job of it. So, yep, right. yep, he did, he did fine. <laughs> <laughs> he was working it, working it. Okay. He was. All right, man. I still got tartar sauce left, man. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Gave you a little extra, didn't he? He got a little extra tartar sauce, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, good times. All right, man. Yeah. Um, I guess it's time to entreat our listeners to slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. <laughs> Lodger out and proud. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.